0: Your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Barnes, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies and knights, to the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Russell Guest, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and joining me today are a slew of great hosts and great friends from also right here in the steel city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Chad Robinson. How are you doing today, sir?
1: If you're curious, I fall in the great friends part, the others are going to fall into the great host part.
0: <laughs> uh, and from the Lilac City of Spokane, Washington, Mr. Brian Fry. How are you doing, sir?
1: Evening, folks.
2: Winter is coming.
0: Did you know you were the Lilac City? I looked that up special for you.
2: Yes. Okay. Yes, it did.
1: He's and been to the council meetings.
2: We're also, the, yeah, we're also the people of the sun.
0: Oh, nice. That, that rules. Is, that, yeah, that's very cool. That's a good Rage Against the Machine song, too. Deep in the heart of Texas, we have from San Marcos, Mr. Justin Milbartis. How are you doing, sir?
3: Good evening. Tennessee Volunteers are undefeated, and 2012 was a weird year for movies.
1: This is going <laughs> to air like three to four weeks way later, so you are, that's a bold prediction.
3: Hey, man, number one offense in the country. We got to keep scoring.
0: And our latest and greatest host to join us here is Ms. Lizzie Haynes. How you doing? Lizzie from Louisville, Kentucky.
4: Hey there. Excited to talk about some movies and uh, to look back at I agree with what is is an odd year for movies, but
0: weird. Well, let's get weird then. 2012, a weird year, I guess people said. So uh, it is the year where Barack Obama wins his second uh, presidential term over Mitt Romney. The Supreme Court holds the core elements of Obamacare and upholds that. Maine, Maryland, Washington become the first states to legalize gay marriage. The economy was on an upswing. Unemployment rate dipped to a low of 7.7 percent. Stock markets rose, and November was the best sales month in nearly five years of U.S. automakers. North Korea successfully launched a rocket capable of intercontinental attacks and scaring the crap out of us. Mars Science Laboratory, the Curiosity rover, successfully lands on Mars. So, but it wasn't all sunshine. There's some heavy stuff that happened this year too. Twenty children. Ages six to seven, six staff members at a Sandy Hook Elementary were taken out in a mass shooting. And there was a movie theater, which this, this movie podcast definitely feels uh, this when uh, innocent people in Aurora, Colorado were shot. And Hurricane Sandy kills 233 people from eight countries. It inflicts nearly $70 billion of damage. If that's not a bad enough year, the Penn State uh, scandal with Jerry Sandusky was convicted as well of uh, abusing 10 boys and uh, was sentenced to 30 to 60 years in prison. A long time. And the assault in Benghazi was widely blamed on a group of suspected al-Qaeda group members that were killed at the U.S. Ambassador Chris Stevens, and three other Americans were included in that, too, so... Uh, Dustin, I, we need a pick-me-up. I've brought everybody way down. Give us the real important news from the pop culture world.
3: This is D-List Dustin with your 2012 pop culture update. Fifty Shades of Grey is flying off the bookshelves. Me, I don't think neckties are suitable for tying people up. That's just a safety thing. The identity of A on Pretty Little Liars was revealed. Spoiler alert, Dustin doesn't know a thing about what this is. Disney stars, well, they grow up, don't they? Miley Cyrus retired from Hannah Montana. Her haircut was all the rage. Boy, wait till they see what comes next. Demi Lovato jumps to the X-Factor. Selena Gomez graduates from Wizards of Waverly Place to Spring Breakers. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie get engaged and start working out how to sell rosé wine. Michael Clark Duncan, American national treasure, who portrayed Kingpin, Minute, Bear, and John Coffey, passes away at 54. Lindsay Lohan and Amanda Bynes are the young celebrity train wrecks du jour. Kate Upton takes the cover of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, which is apparently still a thing. Sadly, 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 MTV's Jersey Shore ends its run after six seasons, the best MTV show since next. Now, this is Drive Time Dustin with your 2012 music update. Gautier had the biggest song, Somebody That I Used To Know. Carly Rae Jepsen with Call Me Maybe, the lip-sync song of the summer. We got our first and last taste of fun, F-U-N period with we are young bruno mars locked out of heaven released early off his album and i started to like him after i considered him too immature david guetta tapped sia for vocals on titanium McLemore and ryan lewis smash out of the scene with thrift shop and who could forget psi with Gangnam style well i wish i could in sadder news whitney houston passes away at the age of 48 in rock jack white drops his first solo album Linkin Park releases Living Things, Shinedown releases Amaryllis, and Soundgarden releases their first new album in 15 years. Well, what was Dustin listening to? Lonely Boy from the Black Keys' El Camino, M83's Midnight City still gets regular play 10 years later, as does I Will Wait by Mumford & Sons, Cough Syrup from Young the Giant, Madness by Muse, and the entire Neck of the Woods album from the Silver Sun pickups. Wow. Now with sports, let's throw to the guy who beat me by a Tua viola kneel-down in our Fantasy League this week, your friend and mine, Brian Fry.
2: Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. da da da, 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 da. alright well, in 2012, Jeremy Lin became the darling of the NBA with Linsanity. The U.S. women's gymnastic team conquered the world at the 2012 Olympics. New York Giants won the Super Bowl over Tom Brady. Miami Heat <laughs> won... won <laughs> Miami Heat won the NBA Finals over the Oklahoma City Thunder Poor Russell Westbrook San Francisco Giants won the World Series over the St. Louis Cardinals And the LA Kings won the Stanley Cup over the Jersey Devils Before we go on to our top 2012 picks We wanted to give a little context for the movies that were big in 2012 So, Lizzie?
4: Let's talk about the things that really matter, right? Movies Okay, so let's talk about the top 10 grossing movies of 2012 Joining number 10, Madagascar 3, Europe's Most Wanted. I sure didn't see that. I don't know about you guys.
1: (laughs) No bueno. What's
2: Madagascar?
1: Madagascar. Oh, you'll find out. You will like to move it, move it.
4: (laughs) 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 Uh, uh, For nine, (laughs) we have got Ted, a movie that I'm sure we'll be hearing about later. Number eight, Disney's Brave. Seven, The Amazing Spider-Man. Number six. Will it be in our top 10? Will it not? I don't know. The Twilight Saga, Breaking Dawn, part two. Dustin, Dustin, admit it. That one's in your top 10.
3: Uh, I I did not know that it had <laughs> anything after the colon. I was like, wait, it was...
1: Justice for CGI babies. Rennie Smith. Ch-
0: Chad was glad that they split that last book into two just to give you a little more time.
1: It, it needed Dracula part seven? Right. It needed room to breathe. That's true.
4: <laughs> number five, we've got The Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey. Uh, Tolkien fans everywhere were weeping with that movie.
0: Someone should do a podcast on that at that movie.
4: Four, we have got Skyfall. Number three, big year for movie adaptations of, uh, of novels. <laughs> we've got number three, The Hunger Games.
0: Now I'm number hungry.
4: Number two, uh, The Dark Knight Rises, and coming in at number one, drumroll, The Avengers.
0: And it made all of the money huge
4: all of the money over 600 million dollars Jeez, lou all right so those are our movies that everybody went to the theaters for but let's talk about what movies swept the award season i'll pass it over to chad
3: I hate you,
1: Russell, for giving me this rundown. <laughs> did
0: you want to read the pop songs that were big that year, Chad?
1: But I, n- no, I'm did glad you, I you not to read my camera. sad?
0: Did you want to see, read my sad
2: news? Yes,
1: yes. This, that That's would,
2: actually exactly what Chad wanted to read. <laughs> right, yeah. it's 100% what Chad wanted to read. Russell said he did
1: this each to our strengths, so you can either hate me and be mad at me, or you can be mad at Russell for his gross misjudgment. Here is a recap of our... Oscar-awarded movies from 10 years ago. I have seen an impressive one of the following nine films I'm about to mention and absolutely none of the Best Picture nominees. Please send your criticism to Retro Movie Roundtable at Yahoo.com. You're bad at your job. <laughs> you've be- got to start dropping
2: russell's real email address <laughs>
1: <laughs> very soon one more year of this so our, without further ado best picture nominees we have argo amor beasts of the southern wild django unchained les miserables life of pi lincoln silver Linings playbook zero dark 30 holy crap they nominate a lot of movies now argo wins Best Director, though, goes to Ang Lee with Life of Pi. Best Actor goes to Daniel Day-Lewis for Lincoln. Best Actress, Jennifer Lawrence for Silver Linings Playbook. Best Supporting Actor was Christoph Waltz in Django Unchained. Best Supporting Actress, Anne Hathaway for Les Miserables. Best Original Screenplay, Django Unchained, Quentin Tarantino. Adapted goes to Argo. Animated goes to *Brave*. Cinematography, Life of Pi, as well as visual effects, best score. Our best makeup and sound goes to Les Rob. the only movie I've seen coming up. Best song, Skyfall. Adele's version of Skyfall with Paul Epworth, also wins Best Sound Editing. Best film editing goes to Argo. Best production design goes to Lincoln. So if you were keeping tabs at home, I know you were. Tally marks for each. That's four to Life of Pi with 11 nominations, three to Argo, seven nominations, three to Les Mis, two to Lincoln, two to Skyfall. Our Golden Globe count, Les Mis wins, three Golden Globes, two to Argo, and two to Django Unchained. I'm sure I will hear none of these movies mentioned going forward.
0: Did I say you're bad at your job?
1: Yes.
2: I will say that there are at least 4 of those movies on my list.
0: Yeah, well, yeah.
3: i sure. will mention know. some of these movies.
0: There are some good movies in here, Chad. You should crack open a few of these and you know.
3: I will not. <laughs> this is
0: this is one of the <laughs> this
2: is one of the few years where I actually thought the Academy got it mostly right.
1: No. No, and I will debate that and we will we will definitely get some of
0: those after the break. We're back, and there's many movies that we did get to, many that Chad did not get to, clearly. Nope. Uh, but in 2012, what are some movies, that, uh, sorry, what is a movie that you wish you had gotten to, but you did not? Lizzie.
4: So I wish that I had seen Life of Pi. I, it, according to Chad, it swept the award season, so it was obviously an acclaimed movie. For whatever reason, I just never gotten into it, so maybe after this I'll get inspired.
0: Chad, what about you? What's a movie that you did not see, but you wish you had? Like any of the Oscar Best Picture nominees? Any of them? No, sir. No, sir. them?
3: <laughs> I,
1: I am tripling down on that. Y'all can, y'all can do what you want.
0: He don't like their kind.
3: Y'all can have that.
1: <laughs> right? Thank you. I wish I'd gotten to Sinister in theaters. I bet that was a really, really good time. There are certain scenes that I just, I need an audience reaction to, and Sinister is right up there at the top. As far as movies I didn't see that I wish I had, honestly, looking over the list, I have zero regrets. I maintain this is one of the worst years we've ever covered.
0: Man, so. you are just <laughs> going straight to negative. Town.
3: It's a weird year.
2: I, I'm allowed. A That's year. why you should have given him the shootings, man. Gosh. <laughs> gosh.
0: Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh man.
1: Yeah, just bring, bring everyone but, down instantly.
0: You know Yeah, what? I got I, the bad news out of the way first, I thought. And then, and then we rolled in Chad's. Holy cow. Wow.
2: <laughs> I thought
3: he did a great job.
0: Brian, pick us up here. What's the movie that you didn't get to that you wish you had in 2012?
2: I always meant to see a place among the pines. Me too.
0: I would like to see that. Place beyond the pines.
2: Yeah. Yeah. uh, It's something that I was aware of. I had made a note, you know, like, all right, I need to watch this movie. And then I feel like subsequently years after I was like, oh, I still need to watch it.
0: Dustin, how about you?
3: I wish I would have seen Brave.
1: Yes.
0: Excellent.
2: movie. I
3: I think Chad really likes that.
1: Brian's the bigger fan. Yeah.
3: Brian's a bigger fan. I didn't see it, and I still haven't seen it. When it comes to these sort of children's movies, I hit a threshold. And then I did the same thing with uh, like Marvel movies, where it became just sort of out of my scope. I think it was a while until I saw another Pixar, which was uh, Coco, which I absolutely adore. So I like these movies, I just didn't see Brave.
4: I would say, though, if you're going to see a Disney movie about bears, I would see Brother Bear first before Brave. That's my hot take.
3: Is that another Michael Clark Duncan? No. Isn't he in Brother Bear?
1: I don't think so. Oh,
3: I can see how you get those (laughs) two confused. Easy to mix those two up. (laughs) Easy to (laughs) easily. Walking Phoenix is a chameleon.
1: He can, if he wants to play Michael Clark Duncan,
0: he can get into it.
3: He could do it. Yeah. I
0: don't think that goes down as well in 2022, but hey, we're in 2012, so maybe you can get away with that still. Work for
1: Robert Downey Jr.
3: If we uh, could still do that. Yeah, you can still do
5: that. That's that's playing,
0: playing a dude, playing another dude. So, in uh, <laughs> uh, another movie that I didn't get to, that I meant to in cramming for this uh, session here, is I didn't get to the movie Goon with Sean William Scott. It's a hockey movie, and it continues to elude me.
2: There are no bad hockey movies.
3: Oh, interesting.
2: There are no bad hockey
0: movies. D three. Nope. I'll still watch it. We're going down their favorite movies from twenty twelve. But what is the movie that you saw that was the worst one? Let's get the bad news out of the way first, Lizzie.
4: A movie that made me feel like I lost hours of my life was The Lorax. Uh,
5: <laughs> yes.
4: I was really disappointed in it. So <laughs> I'm uh you know, a late eighties baby. I grew up on Dr. Seuss as many millennials did and as many children still do. And I I was really excited about the Lorax. It was my favorite Dr Seuss book is like a little dark little creepy so it's right up my alley but still has a really important lesson and they it was like they took the character the Lorax and the general world but then there was no lessons kind of it was nothing it was it was very hard to understand how they created this movie and why they created it and it just felt like a complete an utter waste of my time and I was <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah,
0: I can tell this one really disappointed you. Yeah. I was uh,
4: really, really mad.
0: Now let's go to somebody else who doesn't have any particularly negative feelings about movies. Chad. Oh Lord.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so He-he. So
5: I should have
1: known by the title, but I'm gonna say it just in case anyone has any doubt. I watched the movie Bloody Bloody Bible Camp. Oh my god. And good, and you shouldn't. This is just one of those things where I was trying to find... I try and watch 20 horror movies from each year, uh, going back all the way to like the 40s, I think, is what I've knocked out. And this was one of the 20 that I watched. It has no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Ron Jeremy's in it. But, uh, I mean, it's well, There's just, one. No. It's <laughs> just a, a terrible, terrible movie.
0: So in a year of top 20 horror movies, this doesn't make your top 20 horror movies, even though you only watch 20 horror movies from this year.
1: I watch more than twenty this year, but yeah, it this would be at negative two hundred. Like, Yikes!
0: Chad's top twenty at the moment just went straight to nineteen. <laughs> yes. So, all right. Uh, now, Brian, what about you? What's what's your number one movie? That, or I should say, your number bottom.
2: My number bottom movie.
0: <clears throat> I'm I'm typically a
2: Guy Pierce fan, and I'll watch a B movie with him just just at a roll of the dice, and I did. It was called Lockout, and it was such a bad movie. Like it it was painfully bad like it wasn't even like cheeky fun cheesy bad
0: not likely to appear on the podcast anytime soon it sounds like how about how about you dustin what is a movie that you saw in 2012 that rubbed you the wrong way
3: you know it's important for me to scour the kung fu movies and i did and i had high hopes for something called chinese zodiac with jackie chan and a whole bunch of no-names. Now, we start very fast with him, like, a heist. He jumps out of a building, and he's got a body covered in roller skates. I'm not kidding. And he's, he goes zooming down a hill. And I'm thinking, I am in for an action-packed blast. It had set a record for the most live stunts and the largest stunt crew ever in a movie. And uh, I, I actually turned it off, like, 40 minutes in. I couldn't handle it anymore. It was, uh, oh. it was the worst I've ever seen from him, uh, as far as like his productions, and it just kind of bummed me out. So wow. Chinese Zodiac is a no-no.
0: The Mel Bardus walk away. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. My worst movie of 2012 was Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star.
1: Oh. <laughs> I've seen all of your worst movies, by the way.
0: It, it is a solid half-star movie, if there ever was one. Our top 10 movies are from 10 years ago, which is 2012. We're going to go around, and if somebody has it later in the countdown, you just tell the other person to hold it up, and whenever the person who has it the highest gets there, we'll go through it then. All right, Lizzie, we're going to give you the honor of starting us off here at number 10.
4: I have Avengers.
2: Uh, you'll have to wait on that.
0: All right. It made all of the money in the world, and tell us, does anybody else have Avengers?
2: Oh, yes. You will have to wait on that.
0: Waiting on that one. Okay.
4: Figured uh, I would, yes.
0: Brian, what is your number 10 movie?
2: Uh my number 10 movie was pitch
0: perfect. Wait on that. Sir. Wait on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We got some popular choices early on here. Dustin, what is your number 10 movie?
3: I would be really surprised if somebody makes me wait on this one. It is called Rurouni Kenshin. Please tell us more. As I mentioned, I always look like to look for kung fu movies and while I was looking for kung fu movies, I found the best samurai movie of the year. So this is actually based on an anime from the 90s, and uh, even though I was on the Akira podcast, I'm not really an anime guy. This was just one that I happened to remember from Toonami back in the day, and it is about a wandering swordsman named Himura Kenshin, who was known in a big Kyoto revolution for killing a lot of people. He earned the nickname Batosai, the Manslayer. And this is a very, very well done—it's actually kind of long, too. Over, It's like two hours and 15 minutes. But it is the story of—the boogeyman of this particular movie is a, a wonderful villain named Janae Udo, who—imagine Michael Myers with a katana. Extremely scary, extremely uh, durable and fast. And on top of that, in this world, the Takinawa Shogun, in this sort of Japanese world, there is like a bit of mysticism and sorcery. So this particular scary villain has a technique called the Shino Ipo, which he looks at you, and if your swordsman's spirit is not equal to his, he'll paralyze you. So his goal is to bring this wandering swordsman who has refused to kill he's left that past behind his goal is to piss him off so bad that he kills again and tries to get him to fight the ultimate bloody death match that's all i'll say but that is less than half of this movie's plot there's a lot of fun stuff that happens but as far as like an ultimate evil bad guy he does a great job and i think it's worth it for the sort of blade work the swordsmanship alone
0: Nice. Yeah. And my number 10 movie is going to be Lincoln, which was a Daniel Day Lewis vehicle here. So uh, Spielberg kind of recaptures his magic for me here. He's a little bit hit and miss in his later career, but this is a hit for me. It's very focused, so it's not covering all of Lincoln's life. It is very much about abolishing slavery. And so what it t- involves to get people from the other side of the aisle to come together on an issue is actually a really big deal then, too. And so watching. Lincoln craftily managed that situation with amazing acting performances. It was just terrific. Chad is a history major. You should do this one. This, is, this one's good. I, I would point to this one and say, this is one of those best picture ones that I don't think you can go wrong with.
1: Maybe I did, and maybe it didn't make the list. You didn't ask me.
0: Too
3: long.
1: Did you say Abe Lincoln?
0: No, oh, man, I said Hey, Blinken."
4: <laughs> I love that movie so much.
0: And I did not make a disclaimer before we got into this. Cabin in the Woods, if you are thinking you're going to hear this in 2012, we actually covered it in 2011 because it actually premiered in 2011 at the Buttonomathon Film Festival, which was a little loophole that Dustin hit me with last year and caught me off guard. So you will not hear about Cabin in the Woods on this one. We have to
3: hold the Buttonomathon in the regard that it reserves.
0: Right. And so if a movie premieres there, it premieres. So, but number nine, Lizzie. Wait.
1: No, sir. Do I not get a turn? This is a round table. Give Chad. Oh, I'm
2: sorry, you, Chad. I skipped you.
5: Give Chad.
3: You have made a turn. it a
2: square table. <laughs> yes. A part Chad. of ceiling fell off on your side of the table, Man. and now it's more like a Pac-Man table. He's, I'm sorry. He's
1: violated two rules. He didn't ask if anyone had Lincoln. Luckily, no one did, and he didn't ask me.
0: Well, do you, it's up to you to tell me if you would have Lincoln or not. But I kind of expect
1: you, you just started in. You barreled in like uh, the Pork Chop Express there.
0: Okay. Did, did anybody else see Lincoln that wants to mention it before we move on? Then somebody would have piped up, you know that you got lucky. Wow, wow, I'm the only one. Well, yeah, okay, Brian. Sorry, oh no, Ch- Chad. You-
3: <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> uh, this is why it's my favorite episode. This is why I love yeah, doing you this. Episode. Must
0: speak, Joe, what is your number 10 movie of 2012? Wreck it, Ralph.
3: Hold off on that one. Wait,
0: wait, wait, yes, wait, sir. All right, Lizzie, start the number nine round off for it. Ted. Oh, wow. the
5: only Tell one.
4: I am shocked by that. Okay, well, a Boston boy who his biggest dream is to have friends. He makes a wish on his teddy bear as a young boy, and his teddy bear comes to life, and they become best friends. And then fast forward, what, maybe about 20 years later, and his teddy bear is now crass and crude and absolutely. Absolutely hilarious
5: and cute yeah um,
4: it, very cute peter griffin basically from family guy <laughs> very much so. a teddy bear and oh my gosh i mean the movie's just so funny you've got mark Wahlberg and mila cunez i think what made this movie part of my top nine is that there's so many things to remember but the number one thing that I always think about with this movie is the Thunder song.
0: Thunder buddies, yes, Yes,
4: Thunder buddies. Oh yeah. And uh, I don't think the song is appropriate to sing on the podcast, but it is (laughs) definitely something that I love. Patrick Stewart also makes a semi cameo in this movie, seeing that he narrates the entire plot. But there's not really much to say that I'm allowed to say necessarily on this podcast. But it's just so perfectly crude, and I. I loved Shrek. The movie, when that came out, it felt so fun because it felt like a children's movie that was made for adults. And that's a little bit of what Ted feels to me. It's like watching this movie with, about a teddy bear that cannot keep words out of his mouth and is doing horrible things, unspeakable things to women in the back of the grocery store, acting so crude. It's fun to watch like a, the juxtaposition, I guess, of the child like movie but made for adults it's and obviously nothing beats the i think we're alone now sequence
0: it is funny it's a good it's a good it's a good one i I did see this one it didn't make my list but it is good
2: so so two things this was on my my uh, honorable mention list yes this movie's hilarious i know ted 2 probably will will never make anybody's even honorable mention list but it seriously ruined F. Scott Fitzgerald for me. Like, I can't get that out of my head now.
1: Reading The Great Gatsby should have done that for you.
3: It did it for me. Yep. <laughs> it is.
2: Like, there the, the sequence about The Great Gatsby in Ted 2 is one of the funniest comedic sequences I've ever seen in my life. And... I, I think you're actually allowed to say dirty Fozzie on, on our show. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't think that I don't think the censors will get us
0: for a dirty Fozzie. Brian, what is your number nine movie? Number
2: nine, I've got Silver Lining's
0: playbook.
3: Wait on that.
4: It's a good one.
0: Yeah. Alright. Dustin, what is your number nine movie?
3: The Man with the Iron Fists.
0: You're gonna have to wait. Oh, ah, yes. Wu Tang. <laughs> Chad, what is your number nine movie?
3: Avengers. Wait on that. So
0: wait. We're going to wait. We're gonna hold on.
2: They don't wait. love you like I love you. Wait.
0: <laughs> My number nine movie is, is Wreck-It Ralph, previously mentioned. Wait on it. It's the waiting. Okay. Not, I will. I will wait. Like the Mumford and Sons. Oh. Twenty twelve. Number eight. Lizzie.
4: We have, you just skipped Chad. No. <laughs> I got me
3: this <laughs> time. No, not this
0: time. I actually got him oh,
4: this Oh, not time. this time. Oh, wait. You said Avengers. <laughs>
1: But she, I drift out but when he talks not, sometimes too. She's not paying attention. Like why oh, why I was to these things. Wait, he's here. Sorry.
4: I, I forgot even Avengers. My why am I here? Is uh... we're not even friends. My number eight. Chad
3: is... said something or other, and now it's my turn.
4: I put uh, Lay Miserables was as my number eight
3: it is in my honorable mentions.
4: I had to. As a film, I can appreciate why this wouldn't be on anybody else's top 10 because if you're just watching it as a film, it's okay. But I remember watching the musical as a young girl. My dad my mom took me to Broadway. And it honestly, in a lot of ways, changed my life it made made me fall in love with music the energy it's one of the most amazing stories truly ever told like I will I've gotten into fights about this with my friends about how the Victor Hugo novel is unbelievable and so just to see it done on film with Hugh Jackman Russell Crowe and these huge names it's just the source material alone speaks for itself
3: it really does.
4: It really does.
3: The play is excellent. I've seen it on stage three times. It is my favorite musical. I think I, I shared that with you. In fact, I saw it in Louisville the first time. But the only thing I would have to say about the film production, I think Sasha Baron Cohen as uh, what, Master of the House, as uh, Tenardier, absolutely wonderful. I could not get over Russell Crowe as my favorite character, Javert. It was uh, rough for me, and it took it out of my top 10, though it is a, uh, an honorable mention for me.
0: Wow, Dustin, you stole like all of my thunder because I've seen it twice. It is also my favorite. I was also disappointed by Russell Crowe, and everything that you said is true. And I think it's a great. I think some of the people are great. Anne Hathaway is awesome in this movie. Yeah. And then some of the people were not. Like you know, I don't think Eddie Redmayne's got a whole lot going for him as m- in this movie as well. But I mean, mm-hmm. like the woman who plays. does do that much. Yeah, like the the woman who plays Eponine is awesome in this, and it's because they got her from the actual stage performance and Absolutely. put her in this movie. Absolutely. So why did you not go do that more? I don't need to know who these people are. Get people who can sing really, really well. Get
3: Philip Quest.
0: You know, people who can hang in there and can do it. That's great. It worked with Chicago. You found people who could sing and dance, and it was fun. But that's the magic of what Chicago was. Everybody was really, really talented. And when everybody's not talented, you end up with, like, Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not my Mamma Mia this is nowhere near, like, you know, like, I like Pierce Brosnan, and I wanted him to be good in Mamma Mia, but it's just like, oh, this is not a good moment for anybody. I like Russell Crowe, but it, it hurt a little bit, and so I'm with you. I love yeah. the story. I love the play. I like the direction. And Hathaway, you know, when you watch that scene, you're just like, wow, this is a great movie, and then Russell Crowe comes up, and you're just like, oh, man, uh, this, isn't, this isn't a good look for you. I wish your manager had talked you out of this.
4: He's one of the most complex characters, and so that whole, his whole song and his whole arc is probably one of the most beautiful arcs and the most tragic and so I agree Russell Crowe didn't deliver but not everybody's Hugh Jackman I mean he's like the ultimate renaissance man he's unbelievable but I just the line of to love another person is to see the face of God like it's just so moving even with the things that that aren't so great about the movie, it just, it still brings me to tears because the source material is just so powerful.
0: It is. We now need to have a spinoff, a one episode spinoff for Retro Broadway Round table. Right.
4: So. That's right. That I would definitely.
0: Justin, do. Lizzie, and I are all over this with. Number eight, Brian. Man with the Iron Fists. Yeah,
3: let's talk about it.
2: Yeah, so this is Wu Tang alum Rizza directed. It has a huge cast. The cast is so big, it's almost silly. In fact, it also has <laughs> Russell Crowe in it. It is. This is a hugely entertaining movie. I could see someone seeing this on paper and being like, hard pass. Like, just, I'm not even going to give this a shot. This was such an entertaining film. Without ruining anything, this is a thrill ride of fun martial arts fight sequences to a backdrop of a motley crew of various fighters mm-hmm. being put together to achieve a goal, I guess, without spoilers.
3: Every fight is a consequential one. The surprises that you get are stylish, and they're actor-driven. A special kudos shout-out for a Byron Mann, who plays Silver Lion, uh, who I'd never seen before, but he just absolutely nails the sort of 70s style that RZA was going for the last thing I would want to say about it you didn't say was the Wu-Tang Clan like kind of took its name from an old martial arts movie and so forever RZA had wanted to kind of give an homage back and he trained hard he he stars in the movie it's so great and I didn't think it would be as good as it is but this is just a reminder because Jet Li and Kiss of the Dragon did this first kung fu and hip-hop together is a match made in heaven
2: it really is and i'll also say i think this is the first movie i saw batista in.
3: first i saw him in. be
1: be grateful for that
0: chad how about you what is your number eight movie <laughs> Ooh,
1: boo chad boo no i like batista but his early movies man my favorite for number eight was frankenweenie
0: it's a good one. Oh, yeah it's a good one <laughs>
3: <laughs> I thought that sound was a ugh. Oh, yeah, that was, no, uh, was so, like, it's,
4: it's such a <laughs> condescending.
2: Aww, he likes ugh. that movie. No, <laughs> sorry, my my son was
3: literally just watching
4: that. It's a sweet little movie. It was a genuine <laughs> awe. Yeah,
1: it's it's a gateway drug for children into the horror universe. So <laughs> this is this is a fantastic film. It's a Tim Burton collaboration. If you're checking, does the dog die? It actually dies twice in this movie, spoiler alert. There are dead pets all over this entire movie, but it's a lot of horror homages. Victor Frankenstein is a character. The little neighbor is Von Helsing. There's Igor. Uh, There's some Pet Cemetery references. It's a sweet, touching movie about a boy that just loves his dog and experiments to bring him back to life and accidentally turns the neighborhood cat into a giant bat monster.
0: So, yeah. And it's done in a heartwarming Tim Burton way.
2: It is. <clears throat> in the heartwarming throngs of Sweeney
0: Todd. The heartwarming throngs of dead pets. Dustin, hit us with your number eight movie.
3: Number eight, I have Looper.
0: Wait for this. We have the first call out. Yes. Challenge. <laughs> challenge. 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 My number eight movie is Argo. Uh, You're really going to have to wait on that one. I'm going to wait. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Plus Chad's gonna make me wait on that. I have a feeling too. So nope.
1: <laughs> I'm not even gonna play your game. Just no,
0: sir. <laughs> All right, Lizzie starts off with the number seven round here. Number
4: seven. I put Pitch Perfect. It is. Is it on
0: that? I think it's time. I think it's time. Denied. denied. Uh-huh. No,
3: denied. no,
4: denied. Oh, denied. Denied. We will wait. denied. Okay, we will wait.
0: That flight was denied. delayed. That flight was delayed. All right. Delayed. The men,
1: the men of this podcast are holding down the Pitch Perfect.
0: It's true. I've got
2: nice things to say. What can I do?
0: Brian, Brian, tell us your number 7 movie. My number 7 movie is Trouble with the Curve. Tell us about the Trouble with the Curve.
2: I really very rarely go for the the heartfelt sports movie, especially when it's about baseball, but I loved this movie. The whole dynamic between Clint Eastwood and, you know, the whole like daughter trying to reconnect a fractured re- relationship and her understanding like what he sees in, you know, being a a scout and then obviously her ongoing pseudo relationship with Justin Timberlake and whatnot, and then how the movie ends. So how they really sum it up, adding the sports piece to like almost a a warm family, you know, reuniting kind of film, I just really enjoyed it. And it was, there are three movies in my top 10 that I went into thinking I'm going to hate this and ended up absolutely loving it.
3: That's cool. It's
0: got a great cast. Matthew Lillard's in it. Oh, Chad, Chad, (laughs) Chad, you send Chad up automatically on that, so. Absolutely. Dustin, what is your number seven movie?
3: At number seven, I have seven psychopaths. Hold
1: off on that, sir.
3: You got it.
0: All right, Chad, what is your number seven movie?
1: Sightseers. I
0: don't think anybody else has that. Tell us about Sightseers.
1: This is an Edgar Wright film. It's a dark horror comedy at its finest. It's kind of one of those cult movies that you can't just go around recommending to casual people because they'll look at you funny. But if you're a fan of Shaun of the Dead, it's a lot of fun. So it's a couple going on a road trip and the boyfriend accidentally kills someone, or does he? And then they get a (laughs) taste for it. And they just roam the countryside finding people to murder. And it's it's a lot more fun than that because they're bad at their job and it's got that British humor to it. So, great film. Check it out.
2: That's how Jess and
0: I retire.
1: I believe you. Yeah, Less British, but yes.
0: They'll turn British just like Madonna did. My number seven movie rolls around and I've got Life of Pi.
3: Didn't even see it.
4: Oh, never nope. seen it.
0: So, this is an incredibly stylish, inventive movie. There's nothing else like it. It's very original. It combines fantasy, spiritualism, and just, just being a human being and the human experience. It's a big... It's on a raft a, with a tiger. It, right. it is a very ambitious movie. It it's is a metaphorical tiger.
2: <laughs> Something we can all relate to, being it a drift with a tiger on a raft. So
1: yes, I mean, yes Charlie yes. Sheen can. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but there's so much more to it. It's one of those movies that gets told through flashbacks. It's made well, it's told beautifully, and it's just very, very well presented visually. Even if the story weren't good, the visuals of, all of it are really, really good. It's exciting, it's touching. It pushes a lot of buttons. I might have actually nominated this one for my best picture of, the, of those nominees. I felt like this was the strongest of the class, so I was rooting for this one for best picture, personally. Lizzie starts us off at the number six round.
4: I put think like a man. I've not seen did this.
0: I, never... I didn't see it. I've not seen this one. Never remembered it?
4: it. Oh man. It's so fun. I put this because I literally think I watch this maybe three or four times a year. I love this movie so much. It's a classic battle of the sexes romantic comedy. So it bases around Steve Harvey as himself. He writes <laughs> a, uh, Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. And it's based
0: so this is not a Kevin Hart movie?
4: Kevin Hart it is. It is a Kevin Hart okay, movie. Okay, okay. Yes, he is in it. But Steve Harvey as himself is interviewing and plugging his new book, Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man, in which he is writing two women to help them get inside the mind of a man in order to essentially get what they're looking for from them. There's a storyline of a woman who's dating a guy who's too much of a mama's boy. There's a woman who's dating a man that won't commit. There's dating a man that doesn't have. He's checking all the boxes. He doesn't
3: have no bread. He's, he's not stacking paper.
4: Exactly. He's not motivated to, uh, you know, have a five-year plan. And so, originally, the women get a hold of this book, and you know, it stars like Gabrielle Union, Regina Hall, Taraji P Henson, Kevin Hart. Originally, the women read this book, and they use the book to be able to get what they're looking for from their men, and then eventually. The tables turn and the men realize that Steve is playing them. And so then they play them at their own game. And so it's kind of one of those they don't know that we know they know kind of (laughs) situations. And it is just it's just complete and total fun. It's a sweet movie. And also coming from it is like one of my favorite songs. It's John Legend's Best You've Ever Had. Married men, play it for your wives, and you can thank me later. That's all I'll say.
0: Oh. That's my sage advice there, so... Spicy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: if, we, if we surveyed 100 people, where how many people <laughs> would say this is on their top 10 list? <laughs> I, I, will, I will tell you
2: guys, this is a real book. For, for those of you who don't know, this is actually a book.
0: Yes. So no. This is a real thing. Now, Brian... How about you? What is your number six movie? This is where I have Avengers. Wait on that. You you hold your tongue, sir. All right. The biggest critic of comic uh, book movies. Yeah, this is Dustin before he got off the Marvel wagon. Clearly. Dustin, what's your number six movie? Holding down the fort.
3: You are right about that, Russell. My number six movie is The Dark Knight Rises.
0: That is my number six movie as
4: well. That was an honorable mention for me.
0: We're friends, two friends
1: having the same
0: pick. Starring Chad Robinson.
1: I'm in this movie and it's not in my list.
3: So is it just it's you just and me? It's just you Russell?
0: and me, surprisingly.
3: I... And we have it right at the same place. Yeah, so it's, it's Nolan Boy at it again. We, we've got a cool story and a cool villain. Anne Hathaway makes the list again, playing Selena Kyle, never mentioned as Catwoman. We have sort of a cool wrap-up to Christian Bale's portrayal of the world's greatest detective, which kind of doesn't make sense anymore, per his, uh, his portrayals. Just a great culmination to a wonderful trilogy of movies. It's not better than The Dark Knight, but The Dark Knight Rises is a lot of fun. Tom Hardy was very open about like how he gained his size, and uh, he was just like, you know, obviously on top of working out, you don't have that much time. Visit forhims.com, forhims.com uh, <laughs> for all of your uh, male needs. Uh, he 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 was just like, "Yo, the, I wasn't I wasn't trying to look cut. A lot of that is fat." And it's true. Um, y- you you put on fat and your other muscles will look bigger. I think it was a fun story. It wasn't quite like the Bane story you might have known from the comic books, but that's okay. I I really liked it.
0: Yeah, it was better than that. That's not the Bane story I was used to either, but I really liked it
1: missing the teddy bear mm-hmm.
0: i think the christian bale and michael Caine and morgan freeman the whole crew man i wish we could have gotten more of these these were so good and i, I know christopher nolan has an ambitious eye and i wish he could have stayed in the batman world just a little bit longer because all three of these movies are very enjoyable and i especially enjoy i'll be honest with you i, I watched batman begins the most but i probably watched this one the second most and i probably watched dark knight the least i don't know why that is but Probably just because it's 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 heavier than these others. Maybe I don't know. I really enjoyed the Catwoman character.
3: People also like to do the Bane voice. Like people. Just oh, love, I let,
2: yeah, I do. Everyone
3: likes doing I the quote, Bane
2: voice. I quote that Bane piece all the time. <laughs> I'll also say this: they have been doing wonderful things with Catwoman post Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, yeah. it has only gone up. Halle Berry.
4: <laughs> from... up. Halle Berry was not a no, not in Batman,
2: good. In Batman, movies, that. that's, in Batman
4: movies, that's in
3: Batman movies. I thought Brian was just not, being yes. a complete troll by saying.
1: <laughs> so yeah, the 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 Bane stuff though, like we were supposed to be threatened. I was one of the extras in the stadium that's being blown up. Uh, quick tidbit: oh, that's right. the biggest bit of CGI ever in movies is making Hines Ward fast enough to outrun an explosion.
3: He shouldn't be getting a kickoff return. We know that.
5: (laughs) Your city.
0: Not that I want to steer people (laughs) to another podcast, but there's a podcast called Douglas Movies, and around this time period, Doug Benson... Comedian Doug Benson would uh, do. He would take quotes from the movie Lincoln, which I mentioned earlier, and from The Dark Knight yes. Rises. Yes. And he would. Uh, he said, and he would say that you know, like <laughs> the voices are the same. And so, like he would say, like, "It is now time for your liberation." <laughs> and then you'd have to guess which which one was it. Was it Bane or Lincoln? And so, uh, it's actually pretty hard to oh, tell yeah. with the quotes and the Bain voice. Yes. Bane or Lincoln. So, yes. <laughs> Bain yes. or Lincoln. I'm the biggest buck in this lick. Actual Lincoln quote. All right, Lizzie, let's start off with the number. No, of... I will not be skipped <laughs> again, sir. Sorry,
1: I will not be silent. Sorry, <laughs> that was a genuine mistake, <laughs> and not. I don't believe you anymore.
0: <laughs> you are not to be. You we are not to be trusted. To Dustin, <laughs> I Dustin had the same six Look. as me, and it got confusing. I'm sorry. That'll never happen again. Number, yeah. yes, number six. you oh, he said it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Everyone's waiting for the number five. Dustin's gonna stop me here, anyways. But number six is pitch perfect for me.
3: It's the time. Uh, you can go ahead. I don't have it. No, it does
0: not have it. I thought you did. No,
3: it wasn't you're me. The
0: high, you're the high man on the totem pole, Chad. Pitch, highest pitch perfect at oh six. Oh my goodness, I get to talk about the the Barden
1: Bellas. Great. This is this is a dream for me. You know what <laughs> though. The, this movie is delightful. I will sit down and watch it at any time. I was super reluctant to see the movie, but I was the one that actually suggested it to my really? wife. But yeah, I, I don't know. It was just one of those moods where I'm feeling- He was in act- trouble. I was feeling antagonistic to myself. It happens where I'm just like, I'm going to go see, see one of these Should movies. I cut
2: myself or watch Pitch Perfect?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty much it. So yeah, I don't drink, so I just go watch Pitch Perfect instead so yeah uh wound up loving it wife loved it if you need a summary i mean the barden bellas are in trouble and becca's a freshman at the the university she's a dj who wants nothing to do with them but then injects her style and her pop music into the barden bellas and makes them successful against all the men trying to hold them down so.
0: John Michael Higgins and Elizabeth Banks doing the announcers to all this is, to me, the funniest part of this whole thing. Like,
1: oh, she's a gem.
0: Nobody spectates Glee Clubs in this way, and they them elevating it to that way. I mean, it was like semi-pro, only maybe even better than that with the announcers. I wanted the, I wanted a whole movie of these announcers. Yeah,
1: R- Rebel Wilson's great.
0: If you actually go into the plot of this and then compare it to the plot
2: of Bring It On, it's basically the same movie. It is, yes. Uh, it, is... it is better than that, though. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not arguing that at all. I'm just saying it.
4: If,
3: Bring if, it on, if, rules. If,
2: if you go in and actually look at the plot devices that are used to forward the whole thing, even the plagiarism aspect is there. <laughs> so, like, it, they're basically the same film. The difference is Anna Kendrick is an absolute gem. She yes. is a treasure for Hollywood. Treasure. She is probably the second best actor and actress to make it out of Twilight. I I literally, I didn't kick and scream, but in my head, I was like, this is the night I die. This is it. And Jess talked me into watching this. I enjoyed it so much. I texted at least five people after watching this movie. I said, wait till you're in trouble. Suggest this. You're not going to (laughs) hate
3: it. I I have something to say. I, I haven't seen these movies, but if I'm looking for a song and I see that it's covered in the movie Pitch Perfect, I'll listen to it. I'll watch the clip of it because I know that it's well done. And that's the opposite of when I see a song that was like covered in glee, which right, is like, are. no, st- stay away from that. But the pitch perfect versions of like these songs with their dances and performances are like, this has got to be fun at least. And it always is. The cup
1: sequence is so much fun.
5: Oh,
4: God. Yes. Yes. I, have this
1: movie, I have this movie
0: ranked too low. You guys are making me remember that I, I like this better. I have this down at 39 and I need to move it up, I think.
4: You need the time I will
3: come for your reckoning, Russell.
0: Uh, Top 39?
3: What? You forget that Russell does these huge lists. My
2: dear. I even appreciate that Anna Kendrick came out years later and she goes, to all those parents, I'm really sorry for Cups. <laughs> yes. Like, that was hilarious. Like, that was hilarious. No, I, I like
0: Cups. Cups is catchy. No,
2: I, I'm just, but it's funny that she's like, I understand that this song got beaten to death for you.
1: Right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. nine-year-old girls, like, that's their jam.
4: We all loved it.
2: I actually read Anna Kendrick's first biography because I enjoyed this movie so much. It's called Scrappy Little Nobody.
5: Cute.
4: Scrappy Little Nobody. <laughs> That's, that tracks. Fun fact about me, I was actually in a, uh, an acapella group in college. And awesome. That was why I wanted to go see this movie so badly. I absolutely loved it. We were probably more like Bard and Bella's free Becca. I would have loved it. We were both but uh but we were definitely a little bit more buttoned up. I went to uh, the <laughs> University of Kentucky. We were called pause and listen. It's a pun. If you guys get it, you know, because we were the wild.
2: See what you did there.
5: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Pretty cute.
2: That is great. So on the next episode of Retro Movie Roundtable.
4: I'll get out my pitch pipe.
3: We also just need to sing more.
4: Yeah.
2: We could do a sea shanty. Yeah. They were big five minutes ago.
3: Overrated.
0: <laughs> well, we got, to, we got to share those with Master and Commander this year. So Yeah, we got a little bit of that. Lizzie, number five.
4: I put The Hunger Games. I love this movie. This movie for me was, well, to be fair, backing up, this novel was a resurgence for me for my love of reading, and I read it in college, and to me, this movie is just a representation of that. Um, I loved Catching Fire. Mockingjay 1 and 2, I wasn't completely in love with, but I the very first Hunger Games was done so well. It's just so good. It's a dystopian world. And then once a year, there's the Capitol, which would be in Colorado. And there in the Capitol, they're eccentric, they're loud, it's beautiful, everybody's dressed over the top, and then everywhere else around them is in complete chaos and poverty. And once a year, the capital hosts the hunger games in which they take two young children from each faction and allow them to fight to the death and uh the one remaining victor is then given all of the glamour and glory of the people in the capital just this really wonderful movie and novel story just about rebellion and love and sacrifice family and it's just so it's done so beautifully too because there's chaos and order there's violence and beauty and there's just a lot of juxtaposition and the performances are great Jennifer Lawrence is unbelievable like we, we were just saying, uh, talking about Elizabeth from Pitch Perfect and it's just it's so good it's such an unbelievable movie I, I love it
0: it was the number three movie on the year so, uh, for, for box office so Jennifer Lawrence makes her a household name we did cover her previously on Winter's Bone uh, and she got an Oscar nomination for that. But here she becomes a very bankable star. And she wins for Silver Linings Playbook for Best Supporting Actress this year, too. So.
4: Yes. Yeah. yeah, she does fantastic.
0: She has a big year here. It does get a huge
1: boost for a bunch of young girls got interested in archery. I true. think that's awesome. That's <laughs>
0: true. Big year for Bow and Arrows.
1: Yeah, that's cool, but I will point out this is a rip-off of the Japanese movie Battle Royale, which came out like eight years prior and is superior. Go see Battle Royale. If you like Hunger Games, go see that.
0: Hunger Games was super influential, too, because if you think, if you watch after this point, there's almost like a genre that like carries yeah. the torch, whether it be the host <laughs> or the giver or <laughs> Divergent or, I mean, Maze Runner. Maze Runner. Oh, I mean, okay. all of these all of these take the, you've upset the fry yeah, hold on a minute hold you, on, hold oh on a God. minute now just, it, oh it, it, it takes the style and the storytelling of a series of movies and of a certain age of characters I'm not saying these are all the same but I'm just saying Hunger Games empowered the next decade's worth of YA novel adaptations that really come out of this one because it's, it's, it's such a profitable one he, R- 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 right. he's, letter- he's correct ha-
5: Urge to I, kill I'm rising <laughs> I'm having a stroke.
3: He's right.
2: I'm having a stroke. Okay, first off, The Giver. I, I, half the things you listed were books, decades before this one was. And yeah, this was this. It's it's not movies that made apt- adaptations into books. mean you I've upset the. I've upset is the Metro
3: book roundtable. <laughs>
2: I I know, but this is just a bunch of wrong. Uh, <laughs> it must be correct. <laughs> so much wrong in one spiel.
4: The Giver was done decades and decades before, but I think it created this resurgence to revisit those novels that had these dystopian worlds and then make movies out of them
3: that's where he was right yeah I'm not talking I'm, at all about books
0: I'm talking about what happened in the box office I have no qualm with that
3: uh, except uh, yeah the, that's what the it, hosting that's, that's what he was saying horrible. SNL did a great did a great sketch of a bunch of just dirty kids in some post-apocalyptic world and like the running gag is Pete Davidson has like a duffel bag or a sack and tosses it at the main character and he does it like 20 times it's one of those great like little fake movie trailers they do, Russell's right on this.
0: It amazes me that nobody decided to go do Lord of the Flies, which would be, like, one of the more brutal... They
3: They did in, like, the 40s or 50s. That's
0: what I'm saying, like, this was the time to go back and do it, so, I mean, these YA novels, maybe it was too brutal, although Hunger Games, you have kids killing each other, too, so, I mean, I think... There was was only one murder
3: in Lord of the Flies.
0: But, but, But to what Brian's saying, like, the books are older, yes, I mean, this ignited them grabbing every book. From the YA novel tree, I'm wondering how it evaded them. I think it was. I think this was the right time for do, to do Lord of the Flies. Where were the producers on that? They
1: didn't grab animorphs. <laughs> the,
3: the books. K A Applegate. K A Applegate. We love her here on the retro book roundtable.
2: The book series for Hunger Games was truly one of the biggest flash fires for. Catching Fire, huh? um, um, Among (laughs) that age range, I mean, it really it brought readers back to stores. So Suzanne Collins gets nothing but a nod, but I do feel like every further knockoff, whether it was Divergent or something like that, which again, books were excellent, it just it degraded what the actual story was. And the reason Hunger Games isn't on my list is because those movies can't light a match to the book. The Divergent movies didn't light a match. They were so much better.
0: So you wouldn't say it's catching fire? <laughs> but we will have this conversation more times in the future because there were four of these movies. Right. So. <laughs> I'm,
3: I think I'm sick that day. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I will not be. It's going to be a fit. It's going to be a fit. Come and <laughs> Yeah, sick. I
3: think me and Chad are sick that you're, day, remember? you just going right. to get a
1: cranky <laughs> fry and an excited Lizzie. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, so... Uh, Going on with the number five round, Dustin.
3: This is where I have Wreck-It Ralph. It is time, isn't it? This is the first kind of, of its kind, to do all of these different video game properties at once. We've had video game movies in the past. Our cast is, I think, wonderful as far as We already knew them as actors, but providing voices for Ralph for the Princess Sarah Silverman, I can't remember her name.
1: Vanellope. Yes,
3: Vanellope. Jane Lynch and Jack McBrayer as Fix-It Felix. I tear up when Ralph is doing something heroic at the end. I love his mantra. I'm bad and that's good. I'll never be good and that's not bad. There's no one I'd rather be than me. I think that's a wonderful lesson for someone who is inherently bad. I'm trying my best to be as good as I can be. So it it actually kind of touches my heartstrings. As well as having a lot of wonderful visual video game style gags. In order to get Sonic the Hedgehog in the game, they had to say, all right, Sonic is going to lose his rings. And the people at Sega said, you can have Sonic lose his rings, but he only loses his rings when he falls down. So you can't do it unless you make him fall down. Unless you have them slip or something. So I'm like, the people that have these video game properties, like licenses and stuff, are very particular about how how you can use them.
2: This is why he did blue screen, man. He's choking up right
1: now.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm wiping my eyes. Chad, how about you? What are You you had this one
0: on your countdown as well, right?
1: Yeah, I still quote the, just because we're bad guys does not mean we have to be bad guys. With Zangief <laughs> from Street Fighter. <laughs> yeah counseling. I I love the bad guy support group. Best chest hair
2: in video games. Yes, you know, he's all... got great
3: chest hair.
1: The homage to old school video games, Jane Lynch. She reminds me of like a Marine from Halo, but I think yes. they were going more for almost like a Doom type background. A lot of what they're going. Vanellope uh, Sarah Silverman does not work for me but she's the most part of that movie. That's Ooh. why it's number 10. Yes, yes. Russell's very wrong on all of that. But the movie is just, it's touching, and it's fantastic.
3: It's so touching for me that I refused, as you guys know, I refused to watch the sequel to it. It's not good. I have to be careful.
0: It didn't look like it had the magic, and the the concept of it didn't seem as good. This is a clever movie, though. It It, it is referential, but it is so much more than just references. If you're a video game fan or retro video game fan, this is definitely, probably, I think this is the best movie for... Layering in all those uh, references to arcades. I agree with that. It kind of takes the magic of Toy Story. Of what if your toys came alive and takes it to video games? What if your video games got together? What if Bowser was hanging out next to Donkey Kong for real? And what do they like when the arcade goes down after work? And that's a very funny idea. And I think the voice work in this is top notch. Oh, will counter which has. I think Sarah Silverman was amazing for this. I think she's amazing for animated voice work. I think she's, she's awesome. I think she should have gotten more work along the way as an actor as well. She's just such a talented uh, stand-up, and I, I love Sarah Silverman. She's terrific.
3: There is something also really special about the Vanellope character. I don't know how much this was done before it, but Vanellope has uh, a glitch. Vanellope, there's something in, like when she was created digitally that was wrong. And the one of the lessons of the movie was her accepting and owning that she's different. Or, and that makes her special as opposed to that needs to be beaten out of her. So uh, that's that becomes a trend certainly in the last 10 years, maybe longer, but I I remember that being impactful as I took my youngest sister to see this movie.
0: I feel like 2012 was... I feel like certainly it's better than 2011 when we did this last year. I felt like this was a stronger year than it was last year, so nine seems low, but it's just a good year. So I guess everyone else is saying it's a weird year, but I like it. Did you see this one, Lizzie?
4: I did. I, I actually really liked it. I remember I was a big Mario gal, still am to this day, So I really loved being able to see all the callbacks i played sonic as a kid and you guys said it perfectly i just love the idea that the bad guy has an existential crisis and doesn't know what to do about it and i love an animated movie that can be fun for kids but also really has a lot of fun callbacks for adults yeah does it so perfectly where you're having fun it doesn't feel like you're suffering through a movie for your kids like you're having a good time too i loved it
0: this was so crafted for the X and millennial generations.
4: Agreed. Mm
3: -hmm. Perfect. Number
0: five, Chad. I went with Maniac. Maniac on the floor? No. And she's dancing like she never dancing before?
1: (laughs) (laughs) You you do not want dancing in this movie, sir. This is... If you love post-Lord of the Rings Elijah Wood when he's trying not to be associated with the image of Frodo, he's just Picking the most insane projects imaginable, this movie is for you. Uh, It's a remake of a prior horror movie. It's already pretty good, but the remake, I like it even better. Elijah Wood, he takes the creepiness to a whole other level. He is a serial killer with a fetish for scalps. He makes a friend. He's an owner of this mannequin store, so there's a creepy setting already. Yes, friendship with this woman, and he's trying not to kill her while killing other people. And all you've got to do is go to IMDb and look at the tags for this. I I can't say most of the tags on a podcast, oh. but I'm like, wow, that's uh There's a lot of insane things going on in
0: this film. So my number five is going to be Looper. This movie is a very clever movie. It's well made. Ryan Johnson. Is a filmmaker who I think I'm starting to like more and more the more I see of him. There's a clever storytelling in what he's doing, and there's a certain mood that he casts that I personally like. And Looper here is excellent. Bruce Willis, uh, his late career is definitely stocked full of dime a dozen kind of movies. This is one of the best ones from the back end of his career. Yes. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is also excellent in this one. I don't want to give too much about this movie away. I'm just going to tell you, you need to see this, because I think the more you hear about it, the more it's just going to take away from it. We've got a very good concept that involves time travel and also looking at oneself and how that you can change over time. It's hard not to talk about it too much.
3: <laughs> time loop movies have come and gone. 2019 was the year for time loop video games. There were at least six of them that were big budget. And, and I, th- I won't say much more either. I thought the concept was also very cool. There's something great that Bruce Willis's character says that I just, I had to get out there because we've talked about how you can over explain how things work in movies. And he's sitting there in the diner and he says, he's almost talking to the audience. I don't want to talk about that time travel stuff because if we start talking about it, we're going to be here all day talking about it, making diagrams out of straws. And that's it. It's okay to not understand why it works or how it works. I love it.
0: It's it's not a condescending movie, that's for sure. It doesn't spoon feed it for you. So, like I said, it's a smart science fiction movie. Uh, Fry, does this not on your list? This seems like a Fry movie. Uh, I enjoyed this
2: movie. It's just it's not something that I would maybe rank. Like it might be in a top thirty.
0: I had you pegged wrong.
2: It's an enjoyable movie. Uh, In fact, I want to say I rewatched it sometime recently. I will say it wasn't recently enough to not get it confused with Jumper which when you first said Looper, I was thinking Jumper, and I was like, oh, Russ. Oh, no, Russ. No. It's like, hey, no. Hayden, Hayden Christensen. Christensen, come on, man. Oh,
0: no, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. I had to think, you had to jog my memory with Jumper. <laughs> no, was, no. I just kept going, like, that's a third-eye blind so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs>
5: I will understand.
0: As soon as you said Bruce
2: Willis, I was like, oh, right. Okay, thank you. So, Joseph uh... Gordon-Levitt with
1: blue eyes, it's weird. Right. <laughs>
3: Joseph Gordon, love it in a, in a movie that's not about being a bike messenger. That's what I love.
2: It's not something I probably like haunt about. Like, I don't, I'm not even sure if I own it. But it's, you know, if something's on TV, I'll watch it.
0: I like that you have the lower benchmark for owning a movie, though. So I'm not even sure I would own this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought of too. <laughs> I, I like, own some movies. I was like don't three and, like, and a half, half stars. Okay, maybe three stars or more. I will own this movie.
3: Fry's got a Game of Thrones-style throne made of the DVDs that he's bought.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: He props his bed up at night like on like, uh, extra DVDs. Like. <laughs> coaster, if you go to Fry's house, like, I need a coaster. He's like, here, you can put it on, uh, bring, it, bring it on too.
3: Electric Boogaloo.
2: <laughs> the worst thing that ever happened to me was vintage videos and games in college because as soon as I could spend like 2 to $3 on a DVD, I was like, I'll give that a shot. I'll give that a shot. I'll give that a shot.
4: Number four.
5: what? Uh, so, right. okay, so I... <laughs> Did we skip you?
2: Yeah,
4: I didn't get my five. No. Okay. No, you go. Okay.
0: Right. Give us your number five movie. It wasn't Chad. It wasn't <laughs>
2: Chad. Uh, uh, my number five was Seven Psychopaths.
0: Hold on. All right. I think this was mentioned earlier, but we're going to wait on that one. Okay? And
3: we're still going to wait. Lizzie,
0: number four round. Begin us
4: what i would call cozy horror it's the house at the end of the street
0: Ooh, that's a good one what makes this cozy out of curiosity i've seen this one i don't feel cozy
4: (laughs) in it (laughs) so i would say cozy horror for me is like anything that's not going to give me nightmares like something that i can sit and watch and it's scary in the moment but then when it's over i'm moving on with my life and we're done that to me is cozy horror
0: I don't know what we don't want to say about this movie, but that this movie is uh, creepy. You have a okay, yeah.
1: More more Jennifer can, Lawrence.
4: It's definitely creepy. I
0: could see you getting some. I could see you definitely getting uh, some nightmares over this one. I I I could. I don't know. I don't know.
4: No nightmares for me. Anything that's like demonic, I that will haunt me forever. But. A good little like slasher movie or kind of a mystery of what's really going on. Those movies are like a thriller. They're they're my absolute favorite.
0: Jennifer Lawrence is all over this year.
4: She is. She's had a really big year. So she, her and her mom moved to a new home and a new neighborhood where they are next door neighbors to a young boy who lives by himself. Everybody keeps away from him because he is unfortunately a final boy. I suppose he's the remaining uh, remaining member of his family after his sister uh, allegedly murdered his entire family, leaving him to fend for himself. And of course jennifer lawrence takes a liking to him he's a bad boy he's quiet and kind of brooding and a lot starts to unfold and nothing is quiet as it seems and it's just a really fun like i said it's just it's cozy horror
0: chad is this cozy horror for you let's go to our expert i'm not gonna
1: override lizzie's opinion i i I will say it. uh... It holds a stunning 12% on Rotten Tomatoes. Make of that what you will. That is, that is, that is low, by the way. I, don't, I, I think it's better than that. <laughs>
0: it didn't make my list, but
1: I could see how it, how it would. It's just I go in a different direction for a lot of these horror. Like, this is one.
0: So you go to the house at the other end of the street for your horror. Yes.
1: <laughs> left. I go to the last house on the
0: left.
4: That's yeah. right. Ooh, That's that
0: right. one's rough. What? Yeah. That, so. that, that is, is rough. very rough.
4: It's not, it's one of those, it's up high for me because it's just a guilty pleasure. I love watching, uh, well, watching the movie, but I am definitely in agreement with you, Chad, of the 12%. I understand it. I'm not going to fight you. Overall, the movie has, the plot's been done. So it's, uh, you leave the movie kind of feeling like, ah, they they probably could have done a little bit more with that, but overall, it's a fun, fun ride. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, there are. Their main twist is, unfortunately, it's telegraphed, and so that just takes away from me. But yeah, Russell just puts me in a terrible position. He's like, hey, Chad, tell the only girl in our podcast why she's wrong. Great. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, Just make me
0: dislikable. This, this is a fine movie. I do have it down like 41 on the year, but I mean, I still liked it. So let's go forward then, uh, Brian. Give us your number four movie. Brave. See? Told you Brian liked it. Yes, he did like it. This, this is a surprise. You are not normally an animated movie watcher, so.
2: This was my first foray back into animated family movies in a really long time, and I went through another lengthy hiatus afterward. I love Irish, Scottish folk music. I was flipping through the channels when this movie literally first started with Touch the Sky, and I was like, oh, and that song literally got me to watch the entire film.
5: Nice.
1: The Bear Companions were great.
2: Yeah, Billy Connolly's in it. Really huge fan of him. And uh yeah, I this was a this was just a great movie and it gives me hope. It gives me hope that I'll find more like this, but yeah, this this was just a perfect storm that happened when I ran into it. I'll even say uh, a nod to uh, Robbie Coltrane who did a voice in this. Uh RIP.
3: Mm, cool.
0: Small suggestion if this is doing it for you Maybe check out How to Train Your Dragon.
3: Yes. Heard those are incredible.
2: Oh, I will. I've got all of the things with the little, so I get to experience these all fresh, and I'm excited for that because I get to experience it for myself and through her eyes. So I'm happy to walk into all of this stuff having never seen it before. But I'm also happy that every once in a while, you know, they can drop me a line saying, hey, you know, don't give up on the genre.
0: I watched Brave for the first time this year but I watched it with my son and this is the only time that he's ever looked like he turned to me and he goes, I don't like that. Turn it off. And, um, <laughs> me like, but I mean, he was scared. It was, there's a, there's a bear that is, and then it, it made him scared. And so it was more of a, I don't like that. Turn it off. I want to watch Muppet babies.
1: Like I need to feel better. They get more scared later on. And unfortunately for our annoying little children, they have this insulated world of cars, movies, and things with non-threatening, no villains other than inner turmoil, and I hate it i want it I want them to go back to experiencing hey here's your mom she's going to die in a forest from a hunter, and we've got to explain that and deal it here's your best friend who's a fox, and you say you're going to be friends forever, and they leave each other and <laughs> it, it's resolved it's resolved by a green.
0: Good, Chad. Good. Very. Reg- he watches Land Before Time very regularly. He's watched like Tobey Maguire, Spider Man. Like he's watched Nightmare Before Christmas. Like he's got a high threshold for not getting scared. To be honest with you, and oh, Nightmare is not scary. And Star Wars. I don't know. This bear and brave got to him. So, th- listeners out there, watch out. The bear will get you.
3: I got to say I'm, two I'm, things I'm... about this. Uh, the first is that first of all, Muppet Babies is better than a lot of stuff. So nothing wrong with him saying I want to watch that. The second thing. The the second thing is that we covered on uh, for this year we covered Princess and the Frog uh, like two months ago maybe a month ago yes and, and that was one my little sister she she did not like the use of the bright like neon type colors when the they were using the 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 voodoo type undead people from the other side she was not a fan of that
1: oh yes the shadow man shadow man.
4: Also, Brave, it I mean it's obviously hyperbolic because it's a bear, but it's really sweet when you think about the context of a mother daughter relationship. So I feel like that's something to look forward to, I think as well for like the little girls out there. I think it's just like a sweet movie about love and it's uh kind of understanding each other and it's just I it's a good watch. But as I said earlier, if we're gonna watch movies with bears in it. I think brother bear is the way to go
0: over the hedge
2: i'm afraid that she's gonna finish watching it and be like daddy i want to climb the
0: house dustin with your number four movie
3: it does seem weird that i would have it this side this is where i have the avengers
0: this is off brand for you dun, dustin dun, 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 dun.
3: i saw this three times in theaters
0: that explains how it made so much money it got all of <laughs>
3: a movie multiple times in theaters many times in my life. In fact, I could count them on one hand. This, Matrix Reloaded, Rogue One, and Pacific Rim. All of those other ones I saw twice. I saw the Avengers three times with three separate groups of people. Now, I know that we've gotten the superhero team together before. Mystery Men, a Triumph, a Classic. Mm -hmm. The Avengers, uh, before introducing some people that had an established career, but really blasting like Tom Hiddleston to writing a wave that's lasted 10 years. Obviously, we've got our Hemsworth. We've got Johansson. We've got, you know, Iron Man kind of started the whole thing. Robert Downey Jr. does a great job. You have the moment. We're like an hour and 45 minutes in when they're all getting together and the camera is going around their faces. And I think they said Avengers Assemble.
1: No, they don't.
3: I don't care if they do or don't. Captain America tells Hulk to smash. What I'm saying here... He, uh, he he, doesn't actually say Avengers... Is- no, that's okay. That's two of you that said it. It doesn't matter. This movie rules.
0: Um, but actually, he doesn't actually say... Listen, yeah. you gotta bring your A-game here.
3: Yes, that's what they're saying. And I'm the only one that has it ranked this high. This movie set off the tone for this next big wave of MCU movies, which kind of stinks because it means that like it's to blame for all of this fervor about these movies and what has led to me essentially backing away from them, saying we don't need all of this anymore. the The things that are great about it, I think, I'll, I'll hold on to forever. Like the way it made me feel in the theater. This is. Just so big and wonderful, and I don't think the sequels, though they have very impactful storylines, the sequels don't hit the level that the first one did. So I, I, I thought it was it was really wonderful. The the comedy is great. It's the highest praise you'll ever hear from me about a Marvel movie.
1: Brian's face has been like a roller coaster ride through this. I'm enjoying the way web- webcam because it goes up and it gets high and happy, and then Dustin says something like, "We don't need any more," and then we have angry fry, <laughs> and then it goes back up. <laughs>
2: He's absolutely right. This was the shining focal point that let the river break. I'm not going to go out and defend everything Marvel has done since then. I definitely think that everything up until in-game is highly defensible.
0: Oh, Brian's Brian's loosening his grip on the wagon here. Well, no, no. Uh, oh, no. Thor, too?
2: Hear me out. Hear me I mean, come on. <laughs> it's, 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 there's got to be it a last bad. place. I mean, if you yes, make that there many movies, something's got to be a last place. But um, I, I think my thing with, with their new phases and everything is they are branching out into other subject matters. They are making things. This was a very accessible movie. Yes. This is meant to please as many people as humanly possible. They're done with that now. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going niche. You may love She Hulk. You may hate Moon Knight. There are so many facets of what they're going into now. And here's the thing. Making more of it is on their dime. It affects me 0% that they are swinging for the fences. So the things that are take my money are going to be take my money. And the things that I don't like, that's
5: fine.
1: I blame Guardians of the Galaxy for opening this floodgate because once a talking
0: raccoon got through... I think they realized they could print (laughs) money. Once Guardians of the Galaxy hit... Rocket Raccoon is
2: a very, very compelling comic book character.
0: It
1: was a hilarious debate because they're like, is DC was going, is the world ready for Wonder Woman? It's like, while Marvel is, here's a talking raccoon in space. This is what we're doing. But, But DC's like, are we ready for a female superhero? So juxtapose those two.
2: And not just that, but then they they drop a Howard the Duck in there, too. And all of us nerds are like, (laughs) yes!
1: There's so much. Yeah, you guys definitely covered the, the feeling. I will say, along with the last ride of the Rohirrim, the final battle in Endgame, where there's just this culmination and you hear, on your left. Like, that will bring me to tears. Same with The Last Ride of the Rehearum. I will watch these if I feel like crying. This is what I go to. So, to your point, I hadn't felt that way. There hadn't been an ambition like this before. And so, I think it deserves to be ranked and earn the money that it does for pulling this all together.
0: Wait, now you don't feel like Batman and Robin where they brought back Robin and George Clooney Batman together didn't give you this feeling?
4: That is such a good Batman and I <laughs> by that 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 is one of the best Batman. I please love you, that one so
1: much.
2: I encourage you to use the dealer's choice on that.
5: Right. I, yes, please do. I,
4: I just might. That one or possibly which one's the one before it with Val Kilmer, Batman Forever. Batman
2: Forever. Yes. Still to this day has one of my favorite quotes of a movie. It's uh Nicole Kidman talking to the Riddler. And she introduces herself and she says, my name is Chase Meridian. And he says, and what a fine pursuit you must be. What a
3: fine pursuit you must be.
0: Oh, it was was so good. Did anybody else have the Avengers on their top 10? I did. Yes. It's my honorable mention at 11.
4: I love the Avengers. I, for all the reasons that you just said, I just remember I loved Iron Man and then kind of watching Avengers together, you know, because they had done a couple of really good origin stories. And you knew that this was leading up to this movie. And so then finally having that payoff and having it feel so successful, it was just so much fun. And you really felt like you got to be a part of it because they allowed you to get to know each the majority of each one of these characters through their origin stories. I'll never forget when we were in the theater, there was a woman who was sitting up in front of us and she would, no joke, stand up and clap every single time. Yes. fighting happens. Ooh, Lord. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Not just like, a couple claps. It was like a, like, I don't even know if I could do it. Just like a very quick clap is, uh, just
5: this
4: (laughs) unbelievably, I can't even control myself. I'm so excited. And my husband and I decided to name her because we were like, I, it just like, there she goes again. And so we ended up calling her Francine. And so we were like, there's Francine she's getting so excited. And she was so excited. And it was like her excitement, made us excited can
0: you find francine for the podcast
4: i wish i could because it was like it's that experience that you go to the theater for right it's like you want to be able to absorb the excitement from the audience and i really felt like we did that and literally no joke every single time we go to any avenger movies especially when we went and saw endgame there was some version of francine in the theater that would get up and clap and I found myself even later on the years clapping as well. And I just, I think Francine left a legacy on us.
0: Francine, if you're listening, we want, we want you to come on the show. Now that's not your name. And we will call you by your proper name, but you know who you are. not
4: your name. Francine, wherever you are out there, I just thank you for your service. <laughs> we love you.
2: And Chad, what did Othello do for you?
1: Oh, my goodness. I recommend seeing Othello in a... It's just O. Just O. Excuse me. Yeah, O, o. in a low-income area. Because, uh, yeah, that's that story was uh, new to some of the audience. I was familiar with Othello. I knew where it was
4: going. Oh, like Julia Stiles' O? Oh?
1: Yeah. The
2: climax of the movie did not light a match to the climax of the audience. Yes. At the climax of the movie. And Chad
1: and I are just sitting back there like... Odin was an eagle. One day I'll fly too and the guy goes, Yes, yeah, yes yeah, to jail. To jail mother.
0: <laughs> there was genuine outrage. So Dustin, this is the final four here. What's your number four movie?
3: It it was The Avengers. Da, oh, that da, was you. Da, 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 <laughs> da, 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 so, anyway, this is one of the few movies that I'd actually seen several times in theaters, and I can count it on one hand. That's
5: true. <laughs> While it was so long ago,
3: we've I just looped back. Yes, you did just loop <laughs> back.
5: Looper. All right, my number, four, back. my number
1: four movie. No! Is... No, you promised me, sir. You already went didn't you? Didn't you are <laughs> going to kill Brian Fry. <laughs>
0: You promised me, sir. <laughs> you didn't do the Avengers? No. <laughs> no, no I thought I you invested in number four at the same time. Sorry. <laughs> what is your number four, Chad? Can <laughs> somebody pass me a well-buterol?
1: <laughs> I mean, Lizzie's not even going to let me talk about this because it's sinister.
4: Oh, yeah. you got to wait. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You do have to wait. Yep.
0: Okay. Well, that's appropriate.
4: Now
1: you can go, nah. you liar. You sit on a throne of lies.
3: <laughs> Last time. Brian's down Last for the count. Time.
0: Okay. <laughs> I'm going to put you up the front of the line next time just to help that out. So
1: just to mess with your brain even more. Because yeah. it's not handling five well right now. You'll, you'll start us off <laughs> in the
0: number three round. I, it, it's going to be fine. All right. Just had to walk it out. We're good. This is, the, the, <laughs> this is 40 is my number four movie.
4: Oh, you got to wait.
0: I'm going to wait. All right. Wow. All right. Lizzie, what is your number three movie?
4: My number three movie is Savages. I don't know what
0: Savages is. Tell I me don't about know it. That. I like that movie.
4: It's a good one. Okay, so you've got Aaron Taylor, John Blake Lively. Taylor. Just call him
2: Kickass. ass His name is kick Oh, thank you. That's
4: that helps. Right. Oh. So the three of them are in a thruple. That's right. You heard me correctly. They are two men that are in love with spicy. a woman. It is spicy. There are some spicy scenes in this movie. And they also happen to be, so they're Ben, Chan, and O. Chad, if you would believe it, uh, are their names. Truly. (laughs) And so the three of them, Ben is a horticulturist and he's, you know, crunchy, granola, love, woo-woo kind of guy. And then Chan is, you know, an ex-military, wounded and, you know, this big tough guy. And so she's kind of, it's like, the two together, they create one whole man, if you will. And they also have a very successful marijuana business that they run together.
0: That came out a left field. Right. I was on board. Like I was like, okay, okay. So
4: they, they've got their very popular marijuana business that they've got going on, and then they come home to O, and, and they have their little thruple life that they've got going on. And then everything kind of turns on its ear when... A notorious drug ring. A ring from Mexico comes up to them and kidnaps O in an attempt to send a very strong message to Ben and Sean about partnering up with them. And so the movie later, it's just about the two of them trying to decide: do we be peaceful or do we go ahead and you know turn it up to eleven and go get our girl back? And it is just it's this really interesting movie because the drug ring. Look at their thruple. And they think that they are savage, yet when you, as an audience member, you look at the things that are happening in this drug ring, and you would say without a doubt, it's savagery. I mean, the way that they're torturing, and I mean, Benicio Del Toro plays one of the...
2: He's the, I'd call him the primary antagonist.
4: And he is absolutely spectacular in this movie. I mean, he is so scary, he is ruthless. And but it's just amazing how each person has a different vantage point on what they would consider savage in the movie, and uh, it's just honestly it's a really fun watch. It's definitely a little jaw dropping, but I I recommend it if you haven't seen it, I think you gotta check it out.
1: A drug movie with Benicio del Toro. I mean, come on.
4: So
2: this is actually a, an Oliver Stone movie. It it's probably his movie that got.
1: This is not making it better. And Chad get off
2: the <laughs> bus. I'm out. It's it's probably Spicy. a film that's that's gotten the the least <laughs> amount crazy. of press. It also has John Travolta and Selma Hayek in it. Yes, so, that's right. Chad yes. is back on the you bus.
1: Know, <laughs> I'm confused but yeah, intrigued.
4: <laughs> Everybody is just so spectacular in that movie. I w-
2: I would say the only thing that kept this out of a top 10 for me because I actually really do like this movie and and uh, I watched it again recently. There are some sticky parts of this that it affects its rewatchability. I came back to this for the first time in five or six years, just because I was like, okay, I haven't watched it in a while. And I remember there are a couple kind of sticky parts that, that are a bit of a hard watch, but no, it's a, it's a, it's a compelling film. And, uh, I don't have, uh, a Chad's Oliver Stone hate. So, uh, no, it's a good pick.
0: Yeah. That's a great one. Now, oh, wait, Chad, you're supposed to be moving to the front of the number three round. So don't forget you. He's Chad, already forgotten. Is he? you do you, you go. <laughs> 21 Jump Street. Wait for that, sir. Yep, figured.
2: Honorable mention.
0: Brian, what is your number 3 movie? Uh, Skyfall. Wait for Wait. that. Yes. Dustin, what is your number 3 movie?
3: The Master. And Commander? Good choice. The Master. This is a movie that I I know that Brian Fry likes Philip Seymour Hoffman. This is a movie that starts you off with Joaquin Phoenix who's uh, playing a character, Freddie Quell, who is uh, having a hard time getting through his post-military life. Interesting portrayal of a character with uh, some substance problems, but also just some communication uh, problems as well. He finds himself, not Shanghai, but like he wakes up after a wild night on a boat. (laughs) He doesn't know where he is, and he gets led to Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, who is... An author, a scientist, a doctor, who we learn soon after is, kind of creates this cult of personality around him, and then you realize it's closer to the cult than it is to the personality. It's not the plot that drives this, it's the acting, uh, so we've got Amy Adams here as well, and and there's a lot of smaller bit, bit characters that have just a small amount of, of time on screen, but... I, I I just think that this was something... It's a very artistic movie. I think this is one of those where the resolution of it isn't one of those that's wrapped up well with a bow. And it leaves you wanting. It leaves you waiting for something else. I, I think it does drag a bit. But when it comes to like performances from actors, sometimes that just vaults a movie ab- above other things that I would re like, m- like quicker. So uh, I-, I think The Master was great. I, I don't want to give too much away. It- you should watch it.
2: I missed this movie. I I, I didn't see it.
0: Brian's like, it-, it had all the makings of a movie that I would watch. One, it was a movie, and it- <laughs> two, it was well, released. No, I mean, if it had
2: come <laughs> up, like when I was doing my research for this, if it had come up, I would have been like, oh yeah, I never saw that.
0: So, Chad, what is your number three movie? Still 21 Jump Street. Hmm. <laughs> that makes up for one of those. Um, <laughs> it does not, sir. Yes. I'm terrible at this, by the way. Yes, you are. Yeah.
2: And Chad, number
0: three. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chad, you're this, number this, three. This, 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 this is all getting cut, so yeah. sir. <gasps>
1: 21 Jump Street.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait for it, sir. That's a good one, though. It's coming up a lot. Um, So my number three movie is going to be Skyfall.
4: Honorable mention. Yeah, honorable mention for me as well.
3: Nope.
0: You don't get to go. Not yet. All right. I was waiting for that. Delayed. Let's go, Lizzie. Start us off with the number two round.
4: So that is where I put This is 40. I love this movie. I think it is so, so funny. You, Russell, you had it on your list, right? Number four, yeah. Yes. Yes, so Leslie Mann, Paul Rudd, it's like a pseudo sequel to Knocked Up. They don't actually ever mention Katherine Heigl's character, but it's the same, you know, Pete and Debbie and the same girls. They're about to turn 40 and honestly, I just think it like perfectly encapsulates it obviously it hyperbolizes it, but it's just like married life and like what it's like to get older, the kinds of things that you face when you get older, but like there's this unbelievable scene where Pete and Debbie go to this little retreat and you know they they do all the fun things that you do when you're away without your children and then they get home and the second they pull into their driveway their youngest daughter walks outside hysterically crying and like they had just like lovingly held their hands they're sitting in the driveway like ah and then the second they look over and see that their daughter's crying Paul Red looks right over and just goes we're home <laughs> and, that, and I don't know if you guys my kids are six, two, and one. And I have absolutely felt that where like you completely just like feel so rejuvenated and relaxed. And then you walk in the door and it's like complete chaos. And, like, it just wipes away. <laughs> and I'm tense again. And it's, uh, it's, it's so funny. The only other part that I will mention is that I get my oldest, as I mentioned, is sick. And so we're just, Starting to get into this new territory of parenting where it's all about conflict with kids at school. And there is an unbelievable scene in this movie where. With
0: Melissa McCarthy, right?
4: Yes. It's Leslie Mann's character. She goes onto her oldest daughter's iPad to see that she's getting into an argument with this young man. And so she goes to the school, confronts him. And she's like, yeah, oh, yeah, well, you think you're cool? You're not. You look like a miniature Tom Petty. And then she just starts, like, blowing hot air into his mouth and just, like, honestly, verbally assaulting this child, which normally is not funny. And I would absolutely not recommend it. But I will say it's funny in this case case because as a parent, she does the thing that every parent, I think, has the impulse to do but is able to use self-control and restraint. But watching her just go for it is amazing. And I would be absolutely lying if I didn't say that I have thought about telling children that they look like a miniature Tom Petty when they.
3: It's part of the best things about
4: yeah.
0: movies. Well, first of all, I like Tom Petty a lot, so I mean, um,
4: <laughs> no, I could, you could yes, call exactly. somebody
0: worse things.
4: You absolutely could. But it's like that hyperbolic, yes, exactly, Dustin, where it's like, I would never do that. But to watch you do it gives me great pleasure. And it is it's both yeah.
3: sides of that coin too it, it's when someone in the horror movie does the wrong thing or it's when someone in a comedy movie does like the, the thing or i guess i should say either fails to do the smart thing or does the thing you would never do it's just it's part of the entertainment yeah. I, I love that
0: chad have you done this
1: one yeah i enjoyed it i the bathroom scene is what sticks out to me yeah on that one But uh, as as couples, it's like, that's the ultimate give up. haven't reached that point in in life just yet. But uh, people have told me it's it's coming. Melissa McCarthy is very funny in here.
4: So funny. And there's like an amazing scene where they're all like at the table talking to their kids about all the devices that they need to take away. Like, you know, there's so many other things that you could do. And Pete's like, you could take a tire and a stick and just run down the road. (laughs) And just the looks on their faces. It's this movie doable. is just littered it's with so quotes. funny. Yes, there's so many.
0: Fry, have you done this one? This doesn't seem like your kind of forte.
2: Uh, no, Jess and I definitely did. In fact, we we've we've got we we've had two real stable connections on both Knocked Up and This Is Forty. The first one in Knocked Up was when, the uh, the wife's like, "Oh yeah, you get to be the cool dead. You just don't give a," and Jess in the theater gives us. This-
5: Slow just look, head just turn. Slow turn look yeah. at
2: me. And I was like, Yeah, that's that's gonna happen. Um <laughs> But then later on when we saw This is 40 and we watched the principal scene where yeah. the two of them just tag team Melissa McCarthy and just tear her apart. Literally, like while we were watching it, without saying a word to one another, she just goes And we just do a fist bump and I was like, We are like we would crush this. Like, this is, this is what we are made for. Please put me in a
5: parent teacher.
4: from <laughs> Uncle Buck, but elevated. Yes. Yes.
2: Right. So, anyway, loved both of them. I, I, it's great that they kind of did a, a subtle segue to This Is 40. It's a fun movie.
0: Funny People is a messy 2009 movie that Judd Apatow wrote that is sprawling. It has no structure. It goes on it way too funny. long. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's. not funny enough. It's. It, it, it's got. Yeah. Exactly. It takes talented people and it doesn't utilize them very well. And it's like Judd Apatow regrouped, circled the wagons, and said, "I'm going to make another movie that's really long. It has no structure, and it's going to bring in a lot of funny people. But it's going to work, and it's going to be hilarious." And it. It's. A lot of it, my criticisms of funny people are actually present here. It. It is very meandering. It is very low structure. It is like Lizzie said. It's a snapshot of life at forty. And a very dysfunctional version of it that, that elevates it to the point where it's funny. Because everything's funny when it doesn't happen to you. Or maybe it is happening to you, but it's funnier when, you know, Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann are doing it and they take it and dial it up. But Judd Apatow has made so many people's careers go for them in Hollywood, and it only continues to reciprocate. And those people want to come back and be in right. his movies. These are Judd Apatow's actual children. And the movie, and Leslie Mann, is his wife. He definitely overachieved uh so and paul rudd is kind of written in as a as a better looking version of himself in there and there's a lot of autobiographical elements in this and its comedy construction is incredibly rooted in arguments that he and leslie have had as a married couple and because he's putting his life out there on display quite honestly like that it is it is really refreshingly honest and there aren't a lot of movies like this, and it would be hard to reduplicate it because of the amount of blood, sweat, and tears that Judd has lived in his life and his own kind of maybe a little bit neurotic kind of tilted view on viewing the world to be able to then capture that and tell it. He's a very good writer. I just ran him down for doing funny people. This is, this is much better than that. And this is better than Knocked Up, too, I will say. So um, I thought this was going to be higher for me, but I just like three more movies and more. Number two, Brian. My number two is Argo. Okay, yeah, Argo, the best movie of the year according to the Oscars, and, and Chad Robinson, right? No? No. Nope. Nope. This cast is one of
2: the best that has ever worked interconnectedly with each other. Ben Affleck, Brian Cranston, John Goodman, and Alan Arkin in this are phenomenal. The fact that this is, a, this is based on a true story is even better. This is one of the best espionage films I've ever seen. And I love true, like Jean Le carre style espionage movies. This is a fun movie as well as a serious movie. There are parts of this that are
0: funny, hilarious. Yeah, they're very funny. Yes.
2: Yeah. This is one of those films that, that is very strongly deserving of its Oscar. It's something I watch fairly regularly.
0: I yeah, that this is my number eight. It'll suck you in. And the fact that it has real life events behind this, you just gain this appreciation for The cast is tremendously good. So the story on its own is like interesting, but how they tell it—I gotta give Affleck credit. He directs this, and I gotta say, this is probably at the top of the Ben Affleck mountain. I think this is the best that he's done.
4: This is his it's debut, wasn't it? I believe his directorial debut.
0: I meant as an actor, director, anything. I think this is this is at the top of his mountain. Oh, Daredevil, <laughs> sir!
2: <laughs> how could Dogma. we Dogma. Uh Dog Dogma Dogma was phenomenal. Dogma's
0: a great movie. I just this is Ben Affleck's obvious best effort.
2: It's a it's different. Yeah. It's a different level. This this movie was start to finish, everything that was a part of it, from the costuming to the scoring to the dialogue to the acting. I mean, this was a fantastic.
3: I think this would have made my top ten if I saw it.
0: I certainly would recommend it. I think it appeals to a lot of people. Yes. Dustin, number two.
3: Prometheus.
4: That's a
0: good one. Oh, heck, oh, heck no. Great minds Ooh, think alike. Nice this oh, is my number two as well. I'll boo both of you. We are
3: wow, aligned. Really? We are aligned today, Russell. Yes.
0: Yeah, why don't you take take the Wait, did we... Nobody said to wait on this right? Chad? Okay. Um, I, I,
1: I, I'm booing
0: them. I think <laughs> Chad. Chad was booing.
3: Wait, us. Wait. He must Chad. not like
0: it. Chum, no. were, you boo- were you booing because you had this one at number one and we were stealing no, a thunder? No, because she doesn't know how to just move
1: sideways instead of running in a straight line at the end of the movie. Ah, uh, get so, over it. Dustin, tell
3: them tell him why this movie is great. Well, we won't talk about what happens at the end of the movie, but no, this is a platform for a lot of cool things in this world. You know, this isn't a crazy spoiler, but it's in the alien universe without being focused on the xenomorphs. We have a cool creation story. We have the reason for being far out in space. There's some very tense and frightening buildups towards something. And I think what's so rewarding about this movie compared to other things in the Alien franchise is that in this one, you are rewarded with something that's new. Something that's scary because it's scary and new and you don't know what to expect from it. We have a, a Fassbender role portrayal, you know, to go down in time as uh, not Walter, as David, as David the Wayland robot android. I thought he stole a show.
0: He's even better than Bishop, I think. Whoa,
3: he's Whoa.
5: better than Bishop. That- Fassbender's
3: good. Yeah, that's that's a big, a big thing to say. Uh, but but Numi. No- Rapace and then Idris Elba. I I don't like Idris Elba's performance here. Listeners of the podcast will know that fake Southern accents are the way to make my bad list, especially if they're not any good. That I can forgive. This movie was very fun for me, and it's a rewatchable one for me.
0: It is a rewatchable one for me too.
2: Chad, I can be there in thirty-three hours. <laughs> <laughs> I can be there in thirty-three hours. We can take him out back and just put him down. <laughs>
1: I, it's, it's the Luke Skywalker moment of amazing. Everything you just said was wrong.
0: <laughs> so, Chad, well, you don't like this movie. Um, clearly, you like Aliens 3 and other Aliens movies more. I,
1: yes, I would take Aliens 3 a uh, wow. hundred times over Prometheus. Dustin saying, hey, this is an alien movie without the xenomorphs is the most frustrating phrase you could possibly come up with. Uh,
4: What's a prequel? I mean, isn't it like a, it's an origin story? Yeah.
1: I don't need an origin story for alien. They're scarier without being explained. They pop out of people's chests. I don't need engineers, designers. This is, this is a trend in movies that I hate where they take something that's really interesting and then they chlorine it up and they're like, Hey, the force, you know how it connects things. It's mystical force. No, it's actually bacteria in your bloodstream. I don't. That's a false that. equivalency. It is not, sir. Nah, <laughs>
3: and, it is.
0: And wow, this, I got Chad heated right now. Yeah,
3: we had this issue last year uh, with another movie that I presented, which was that I liked Sherlock Holmes: A Game of Shadows.
0: Hmm. Andrew did not,
3: and the response was, "It's not Sherlock Holmes." And I said, all right, well, let's take the movie and remove the word Sherlock Holmes and have a cool movie about a cool detective that moves in bullet time. Would you like it then? And so my question to you would be, if you knew this wasn't an alien movie, could you enjoy it?
1: I genuinely found next to nothing tense or enjoyable about this movie. I just felt incredibly bored. Well Even even without that backstory, I, I never felt the tension. I really was. I was bored and the ending was lame.
2: I'm actually probably going to be the closest thing to middle ground we're going to have here. Honestly, the only thing that I really took umbrage with is, is Lance Hendrickson. Uh, his bishop is, is my favorite thing about Alien. And honestly, I have it in my notes about uh, my honorable mention from Prometheus is, I think that if you're going to cast someone new and fresh in that android, I'm totally down with who they pick. But don't be like, that's better, because that's, <laughs> that's just, that's, that's not okay. I like the story. I'm okay with it being a backstory. I actually would have preferred if they had left it more ambiguous and left it to just an outsider perspective saying, this is who made the movie. Is it an alien prequel? Yeah. Like, they should have left it ambiguous. Like, I think that would have made it a better film too. I love uh, Naomi Rapace. I was coming off of seeing all of the Scandinavian Girl with the Dragon Tattoo movies, Yeah. so I was super into her being in this. Fastbringers, I'm a fan. Uh, This has actually got a really, really compelling cast of people that I'm hoping that in the future actually do get more work. Uh, Guys like Sean Harris, uh, who went on to do some of the Mission Impossible movies. So, uh, I don't hate this movie. I understand Chad's issues with it, and I think that if they had just left a little bit more up in the air, a little bit more ambiguity to it, it really would have helped its mystique. And that's what it lacked.
0: Well, I'm with Dustin. I'm a fanboy on this one. I love it. I actually found myself grabbing on to my seat. I was so excited to see what would happen next and an actual an actual white knuckler where you're like just so drawn into what was going on. I dug the world. I dug the character Whalen's fascination with this obsession with knowing where We came from why were we created, and so to Chad's degree, I don't need to know why. Well, this is what happens when you ask why so hard. I think Alien had fallen off. I think the franchise had lost its luster. I mean, because Cameron and Ridley Scott did such a good job with the first two movies. Russell, did you
2: hear that knock on your front door? That is Chad with a knife
0: right
5: (laughs)
2: now.
0: Well, I mean, Ridley Scott, the guy who made the first one, came back in and put, put some integrity back into the franchise. And I just,
3: and they were pulling it away from the alien versus predator stuff that they were worried they were going that direction.
1: They should have leaned into that direction.
3: Alien versus nope. predator was oh. great.
5: The no. first one was great, okay. the second one ne- was terrible.
2: No. <laughs> All right, this is great. No, now we look spicy. There's a, this, there's some great fragmentation here because I'll actually side with Ru- Russell on this one. I'd rather them go hard prequel than what they were doing with this Alien versus Predator Predator nonsense. The only thing I, the only thing I wanted from that series is more Whalen yutani like backstory, like that would have been fine. All of that A V P nonsense was, boo.
0: I think we were set to get that because Ridley Scott was ready to do like five movies and
3: yeah, he said he wants to do them. all.
0: Yeah, Covenant didn't have a big box office return, so I think they took the keys away from him, but I'm curious to know what else he was going to do, personally. I'm,
2: I'm going to sit like firmly in the middle of this, because yeah, I love the Alien franchise. It's one of my favorites, and I don't mind Prometheus. I very, very thoroughly distaste. Yeah, you know, did not like AVP.
1: I'm just going to fight everybody. Lizzie, you want to tell me that uh, Aliens is better than Alien?
4: No. <laughs> no. I'm not here to tell you that. But I, I'm i solid with Fry. I think, well, it was an honorable mention for me because I, I feel like it, as far as the zeitgeist is concerned, it had a huge impact on just the culture. I mean, because Alien, the whole Alien franchise has such a huge franchise in and of itself. So to have this movie, it had people so excited. And I think it people who love the Alien series. And then I it reinvigorated that excitement. For people who it had fallen off for. And then I think for new people who had never even heard of the Alien franchise, like younger people, I think it got them, you know, kind of excited into it as well. So for those reasons, it was an honorable mention. I love the Alien franchise. I also liked Prometheus, but I don't think I would have, I'm not going to argue that it was better. But I do agree with what Fry said that I think having a little ambiguity about it—it's like that Inception, where like you want to be able to talk about it afterwards. Of like, is the—is it really spinning? Is—is is this the reality? Is it not the reality? Hmm. Is it a prequel or is it something completely on its own? We just don't know. And yeah. I, I think that would have been cool. But I, regardless, I like it.
3: You know, there is something too. I forget until I watch something. What did we cover last year that we ended up ranking so high? Sunshine, sunshine, sunshine. Yes. And I realized I didn't know it until watching Prometheus, like rewatching it for this podcast. I really love the sort of adrift in space genre. Every single time. It it's it I'd forgotten that like, oh, this is kind of my jam. So that that is another thing that like it awoke in me. Like, oh yeah, this is kind of spooky in space and something I
4: like. I'm the exact that I hate space. space actually terrifies me. So, to me, if it's like I, the only way for me to watch a movie in space is if the storyline is like top notch. So, that's a a nod to Prometheus.
0: Jason X? Chad, you need (laughs) to. Chad, Chad, you need to make yourself feel a little bit better here. Give yourself a little bit of a hug. Have a coke and a smile and give us your number two.
1: I'm so cranky for a movie I love now. You all, uh, your lucky bloody bloody Bible camp exists.
0: (laughs) We can talk about Hunger Games
2: more if you want.
1: And then, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, I don't have nearly, there's no anger there. It's just like, eh, it exists. Uh, anyways, Seven Psychopaths. I think it's time. my Yay. number two. Uh,
0: lead the way, Chad. Oh my goodness.
1: I love this movie Christopher Walken, Sam Rockwell, Colin Farrell, Woody Harrelson. It's just huge cast. It's, it's huge. bananas. Colin Farrell is a writer and his buddy, Billy, he kidnaps dogs we're living along with christopher walken and they accidentally kidnap woody harrelson's shih tzu. things go far worse from there he's writing a book on psychopaths and so they're kind of playing into these characters there's like the jack of diamonds serial killer it is prime insanity from christopher walken and i can't recommend even people that may not like dark comedy violence are probably going to like this movie. This is one that my wife and I watched together and we both had a really good time.
0: I need to see this movie. I, it was on my see list. I don't know if you guys remember
2: this or not, and this is for the listeners who, who don't get you know, privy to this, but yeah, you know, we all have this text chain. And Dustin asked, like, oh, what, well, you know, what's something I absolutely have to watch for 2012 in preparation for this? I don't even think it took me five seconds to type it.
1: Mm-hmm. That was the right answer.
2: This is a highly overlooked movie that really a huge percentage of people have not seen, and that is unfortunate because it's that good.
1: Yep. I mean, when you start a kind of gang war by kidnapping a shih tzu, it's old.
0: This is funny, or is it more of an involved crime kind of tilt? It's funny.
3: It's darkly funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's
2: very, very darkly. Funny. Right.
3: Yeah. There's really fascinating storytelling because th- there's the n- title of the, m- the movie Seven Psychopaths. You get several, several stories, and they're all presented in either flashback or through retelling, and they're they're all fun. And in between the fun stories are we move the plot along. We learn a little bit more. I think it's at an hour in that we learn who the seven psychopaths are. So it takes a little bit, but it does ramp up in terms of intensity and getting to the standoff, getting to the part we that's like the culmination. So he's writing something that's building and you're kind of along for the ride. And then uh, the the individual performances are great. I think uh, you've got Harry Dean Stanton who doesn't utter a line. Yes, his character of the Quaker is so cool. And you've got a Bond girl in there who you know Olga Kurylenko, I believe. Mm-hmm. Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Uh so, like you, you've got you've got her. You've got some fun stuff, and it, it stacks fun things on top of fun things, and then. It's also really quotable, too. With anybody else that has seen the movie, the, all of the characters, particularly Christopher Walken's character, it's, it's very fun, re- deserving of the high rank that it was given.
0: Nice. I need to see this movie. So let's, on this note, here at the end of the number two round, go through our honorable mentions uh, before we go up into our top spot. Lizzie, what were some of your honorable mentions?
4: Okay, so my honorable mentions were Man on a Ledge, The Dark Knight Rises, Chronicle, 21 Jump
0: Street. Good choices there. And Dustin, what were some of your honorable mentions?
3: Thought The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey was fun. I'm glad we covered it earlier this year. Nobody else mentioned Snow White and the Huntsman. I liked it because it beat my very low expectations. Les Miserables was an honorable mention. Can't forgive Russell Crowe's singing performance. Moonrise Kingdom. Django Unchained didn't meet any of our lists. At least, maybe not yet. I don't know. I thought Moonrise
0: Kingdom would have been on your list for sure, Dustin.
3: You would have thought it would have been on mine. It's probably the only year I would intentionally leave a Wes Anderson movie off the top 10 list. And then my 16 was uh, 21 Jump Street. Got it.
0: Yeah. And Brian, what were some of your honorable mentions?
2: I had Chasing Mavericks, Cosmopolis, Red Tails, 21 Jump Street, and the documentary Room 237.
4: Ooh, that's a great documentary. I loved that. Yes,
2: it is.
3: Is that about the Shinnin?
4: It it is.
2: I put that in. I know it's not technically a film. I just felt like, given what we do, a documentary really wasn't. Right. But I definitely wanted to bring it up.
4: Some great series.
0: Chad, what were some of your honorable mentions? Piranha 3D.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't it Double D for this? Three Double D. Yeah.
0: I prefer the
1: title 3D because it makes it seem less painful. Oh,
2: (laughs) but it wasn't. But it wasn't at all.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there are two different versions. And it's called Piranha 3D or Piranha 3 Double D. It it's a fun D movie. Uh, Danielle Panabaker <laughs> is in it. I am. I am. Danielle Panabaker's in it from The Flash. It it's a lot of fun. The the a manager from Waiting is a sleazy
0: pool manager.
2: Your opinions on Prometheus <laughs> mean nothing now. <laughs>
0: I thought he was messing with me. Like, I thought he was going to, like, go through this. Like, my, my picks are Bloody Valentine, the Lorax, and, like, go all through the ones that we picked for our least favorites at the beginning. <laughs> Bucky Larson. You know what?
1: Piranha 3D made me smile at least once, which is far more than Prometheus has done in the
0: 10 years of its ex- existence. Man, Chad, like, is there anything else that you want to put on that made you happy from 2012? Just just Piranha 3 d
1: no, you get eleven. That's that's, that's eleven. That's it. All that's right. all this lousy year gets.
0: Wow, you really are down in twenty twelve. I don't know what you're gonna do when you get to twenty twenty.
1: I feel like when you went through the sadness events, that about covers my feeling of twenty twelve.
0: Wow, horrible, horrible things. And some of my honorable mentions include uh, the Avengers just barely missed my list. Lesz seeking a friend for the end of the world. I like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part One. Um, it is awkward that they cut it into two pieces. <laughs> <laughs> and Zero Dark Thirty or some other mentionables.
1: Who, who's got bad opinions now?
0: <laughs>
1: Still me, but also Russell.
3: I want to mention something here. This kind of came up out of nowhere, but we all went pretty deep into the box office with some of our picks. The Master, the Man with the Iron Fist, Seven Psychopaths, and Killing Them Softly are all four in a row in the box office at 131 through 134. Like, very, very low in the box office. But we we all gravitated right around that spot.
0: You know, Dark Knight Rises, Hunger Games, Skyfall. So, I mean, the top four movies all made our list anyway. So, all right. Chad, Chad, you've been forgotten too many times. You get the number one, number one seat here. Yeah.
1: My number one is the only movie I saw out of the list of movies I read off for you guys earlier. It is Skyfall. I... Love this movie. I think it's the prettiest Bond movie that's ever been made. Just some of the cinematography is outstanding. It's a fitting end to Dame Judy Dench's tenure as M. Javier Bardem as the villain is excellent as well. It's all undone by the movie Spectre that follows that. Spectre is a very frustrating movie, but Skyfall is right up there. I think I like Casino Royale better. But it's kind of a one A and one B for me as far as the Daniel Craig
0: era. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's very high for me as well. I had this up here at my number three. Would have thought it would have been higher, but Prometheus is so darn good. And then there's another movie after that.
3: You're just you're. you're it just it didn't trying. make my honorable mentions it, because I haven't rewatched it. Say for the one time, Skyfall is the one where he goes home alone style in his house, yes. right?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
5: and- I
3: remember thinking that was cool until I heard someone call it that, and then I was like, "Oh no, is it lame?" And I never got a chance to go back to it. I generally like Bond movies, and uh, I, I the the color of Skyfall is is something I can't like. It it can't leave my brain. The Dartmoor grays and wheat color stuff, the 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 overcast that's just in my memory.
0: Yeah, Sam Mendez is not somebody I'm always a huge fan of, but he nails it here. This is so visually attractive. It is it is I think it took him a while to find their stride with Daniel Craig and they found it here, to be honest with you. Like this is this is when it felt like a Bond movie and it did not disappoint. And Chad's right. Judy Dench in her last movie, boy, she, she delivers a great performance. Ray Finds is fantastic as well, stepping into this. I mean, uh it, it is so much of what a fan of bond wants and it is a well-made movie in its own right even if you just don't like bond i think it's a great action movie in its own right but it's just uh, a great song yep everything daniel craig's not my favorite bond but you know this is still very high ranking for me my bond's countdown which we should reference we did a countdown of all our favorite bond movies if you're a fan of james bond it is a must listen for your ears only
3: that's good.
4: You know, I didn't have Skyfall on my list, but this was the very first Bond movie that I have ever seen. Whoa!
3: So. Oh,
4: I know. I had never seen any Bond movie before, and Skyfall was the very first. I watched Casino Royale after Skyfall because I, I was like, that. okay, okay. Like I, I, I saw it in theaters, and once I saw it and realized, like, okay, I'm kind of here for it. Interesting a lot of action there's some romance I uh gave Casino Royale a try and uh, I liked it but I am not the target audience for James Bond. I will hundred percent say that
1: we learned that through Moonraker
4: you sure did you sure did but I um
5: you will be you
4: will be but you know at the same time I skyfall felt just like it I mean, you said it perfectly, Chad. I mean, it kind of just felt like art. Like it was just so such a beautiful movie. Just very well done that you just can't help but appreciate it.
2: It was my number three movie only eclipsed by <laughs> other espionage films. This was a great year for espionage, guys. Like that, that's that, that was like my big takeaway from doing this. This list. Skyfall is my second favorite Bond movie of all time. GoldenEye still holds that first first place. It is a
0: gorgeous movie.
2: And now, even hearing what you're saying about the Home Alone piece with uh, with Daniel Craig, that's... that, that uh,
0: You just combined two things I love. I love Home Alone. I love that movie. And I, so we're not going to... I just want to be clear. This is not a knock on movie. If you say it's Home Alone, but with something else, I want to see that movie more. We covered Home Alone really early in the show's history. Go back and listen to it. Russell's a big fan. <laughs>
2: I think Javier Bardem is one of the best Bond villains of all time. Uh, they, they scored with that. Yeah. I really enjoyed the dichotomy and the introduction to Ralph Hines's M.
3: Yes, very cool.
2: If you prescribe to the theory that I hold, or the belief that I hold for Daniel Craig's Bond movies, of actually showing the entire career of James Bond within the span of five movies, that, that is the M you're used to with the Sean Connery Bond. So like that is the, the middling to the end of his career M. So I love what they did with the collection of films. Um, I understand how polarizing they can be. But Skyfall, I feel, is the one thing that, that out of everything they did there, and probably Casino Royale too, but Skyfall is the one film out of all of those that if you don't think that that is a compelling film then we really don't have anything
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right lizzie number one movie from 2012
4: number one movie i I bet chad can guess what i put i put sinister this was a resurgence for me it so early aughts it was all about like how gross can we possibly get with horror movies you know you've got hostels and saws and you know, the first Saw movie is good, but it just kind of got progressively grosser and more grotesque. And I feel like then there was, you know, the paranormal activities and kind of more found footage resurgence. And then I feel like there was Insidious that kind of brought back this piece of sinister of kind of more into like the, the paranormal and the occult in a really interesting way. But I think sinister... Got It Right, where this movie is utterly terrifying. I love every bit of it. So you've got uh, Ethan Hawke. He plays Ellison. He's a true crime author who has a writer's block, moves his family into this home that has a really dark, dark history, his family is completely unaware of the history of the home. Upon unpacking, finds some old Super 8 films and watches them, and it shows this really dark, grotesque killings of these family members that used to live in this home. It's super dark and grotesque. There's a a small piece of like a symbol in each video, and he does some research and realizes it's just kind of this version of the boogeyman and everything seems to unfold once he realizes that and it is so well done and I, I believe the movie they only made it off of three million dollars and what they were able to make from that is just so spectacular in my opinion because it's just it's so scary and the twist is wonderful um, so the, the boogeyman's character in this movie his name is Bagul and that's the first time Bagul. that I've been to say this his name out loud, literally in 10 years. Oh, I saw this no. movie in the theater with my husband. I think at the time he was my boyfriend and our possibly my fiance. We're in the movie theater together seeing this movie. We come out. We are night owls when it comes to the movie. So it's pitch black. <laughs> we sit in our car and he looks over at me and he goes, the ghoul. And I literally start crying. I'm not even kidding. I actually start falling in the car. This <laughs> movie gave me talk about nightmares this is not cozy horror this movie gave me legit nightmares for some time i'm
0: not sure we agree on cozy horror like I, i'm still struggling with that that adjective oh i i can watch teenagers get slashed up and just
4: Yeah, you know,
3: that's fine. You
4: what i mean it's cozy horror it's great in the moment <laughs> and, and then they i'll the go to the movies afterwards <laughs> yes but this So to it just this movie represents like that resurgence of like movies that truly terrify you. I'm not getting grossed out. I'm getting like shaken to my core, and it it just did it so well.
1: They did a scientific experiment of what is the scariest movie of all time, and it's worth noting that this came out as number one. Wow. I don't agree, but Lizzie mentioned the music. The music is so unique, you never forget it. For the scenes of these home movies, they're super 8s and it's it's fantastic, a lot of people had a problem with the end. I do not It's a dark movie, but it's very, very good and i'm I'm glad to see it represented highly. I do think I don't even know what I would say is the scariest movie of all time because I've just kind of numbed myself to almost everything. but I do think it's one of the most frightening movies i I've seen in years. bagul
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I have to tell y'all that I hadn't seen it and my friend told me how scary it was and he told me the name of the demon and that just became the thing that I would say whenever I'd walk into the office and like accidentally (laughs) spook him.
0: (laughs) All right. To Dustin. It's time. Yeah. Number one.
3: Oh boy. Silver Linings Playbook is my favorite movie from this year.
5: Good choice.
0: Yeah.
3: I don't know. Did anybody else have it on their list?
0: Number nine. I didn't have it on my list, but I did enjoy it. I mean, I I certainly... It was in my top
3: 20. I didn't see it. Describing this movie, plot-wise, is... It's one of those things where if you see a funny clip that's like 40 seconds, and then you tell the story about how funny the clip is, and it's like three minutes long, and you realize, oh, I should have just shown you the clip. I don't really want to try to explain Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, the, The title's confusing. The plot is wild uh like the things that are trying to get accomplished all at once you have uh, robert de niro playing a father who's got kind of a gambling issue you have bradley cooper playing a guy who just got out of some people would say the loony bin he just got out of uh, some pretty intensive uh, mental inpatient therapy and then you have jennifer lawrence playing a character who I guess she would describe just has her own issues but I mean it's it's part of the it's part of what's written on the box she's a young widow uh who lost her husband I realize after looking at my list of top 10 movies of 2012 and just thinking of the things I like yes I love wheelchair chases yeah <laughs> yes I love turmoil and despair I like when things get dark and I think of that great line from Game of Thrones that you know the, the book series and the, and it was done in the show as well. But you know t- Tyrion Lannister says like he's got a soft spot for broken things, mm. and I realize that that is like the key to a movie that I will enjoy to see people who are either aware of or unaware of their social problems, whether it's medication or alcoholism, whatever it is, there's just some inner compassion in me that cares more about the people who have it rough and who have a tough time getting through their life compared to a superhero who doesn't. And we're getting to the point now we're kind of mixing them together, but uh, Silver Lightning's playbook with the the way that uh, this is the one that Jennifer Lawrence won her Oscar for at 21 years old. And Bradley Cooper's portrayal of someone who his anxiety and his violent swings are believable. He he plays a character is very believable. And so what what's unfair to every other movie is that the way like to my heart is like show me a broken person or show me someone that's going through something and I'm gonna rank it higher than the you know than the quotes of the world than the people that have everything going for them. This movie is super feel good. You will laugh out loud at some things. Uh, And other things are just very dramatic Or just like, can't believe that was the decision Silver Linings Playbook, favorite movie of the year
2: And I actually completely agree With Dustin's take on this If you show me someone over the age of 35 And they don't have some baggage Good for you, man Like, I watched this movie And every single member Of the family Everybody around, everybody judging them Had something And you look at things being like, you know you know, call it first world problems or or whatever if you really look deep you know things affect people differently and this movie is about compassion for how people's lives have been affected by stimulus and things around them and the fact that it got as much publicity as it did made me yeah. happy because this is an enriching film this is an understanding film
0: how did Jennifer Lawrence cram this much into her 2011, I want to know. Like She got game. On this, she was on this countdown four different times, I think. She killed She's it. She got game. She had a good year. And an Oscar to show for it.
2: This is one of those films that if I were doing an introduction to empathy theater, this would be Exhibit 1A.
3: Brian, do you agree with me? Like Describing like what the culmination, like the most dramatic thing to the last 30 minutes is, like... If you described it, it wouldn't make sense. Like it, it, you can't describe the movie.
0: I think it's an interesting tale of two people who have been handed some very difficult swings in life, and their life is not going the way that it's supposed to go. Somebody's in a failed marriage, and the other's in a marriage that had their husband die, and they both have struggled mentally with it. So it's it's a it's a very aware film in today's times to talk about mental wellness or you know mental health issues, as well as you know with two broken like the catharsis that you can have from two people who struggle together and i think that that's what made this movie so good
2: i think it's one of the most trope movies i've ever seen
0: that's fair lizzie have you done this one?
4: Oh yeah i love this movie i completely agree with everything that you guys are saying it's one of those movies where like you were saying fry how it's like an empathy 101 i just think it is a good movie to put a lens to the fact that you just don't know what other people are going through. And everybody has a different threshold for stress and a different threshold for trauma in their life. And I think it's about not always putting yourself into that situation and being like, well, I, that wouldn't necessarily affect me. It's teaching you really how to like, well, that's not really what matters. What matters is that this person's going through it and just kind of teaching you to be kind. But it also in doing it in like a really fun slice of life way where it still manages to be light and fun. And at the end of the day, you kind of just root for this messy family. And
5: yeah,
4: me- all families are messy. I mean, I yeah, yeah, I love that. All right, Brian, what was your number one movie?
0: Twenty twelve.
5: I uh, I went with 0
2: dark 30. I rounded out all my espionage. It was basically Brave and then all espionage.
0: This is a heavy movie.
2: This is a heavy movie, but man, it is a fascinating. I absolutely loved this film. Jessica Chastain destroyed this film. And I don't mean that in a negative way. She crushed every part of this character. I started following Joel Edgerton's career after this movie. This movie did so much. And I, I just, like, I still find it fascinating. I'll rewatch it and I'll be like, man, I didn't notice that the first time. This is a very intellectual, very interesting movie about CIA's pursuit of Bin Laden.
0: It is. And it's a, it's a narrative on how you feel about torture as well.
2: It does not pull punches.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's it's a hard movie to watch. It, I, I, for me, it doesn't have rewatchability because it's not a pleasant watch, but it is a thought-provoking watch. It is a powerful movie, and it is well-performed. And it to me, it, it, it leaves you with questions of like, how do I feel about these issues? Or maybe I feel a little bit differently about some of these things now, having seen this.
2: There was a post-World War II quote when they were talking about Ian Fleming and John Le LeCarré, he's the guy who wrote Tinker Tailor, Soldier Spy, where they were talking about if you want a Hollywood idea of what spying is, uh, you read Ian Fleming. If you want what spying is really about, read John Le LeCarré. And I feel like both Argo and Zero Dark Thirty give you a real taste of what true espionage looks
0: like. Jessica Chastain got nominated for Best Actress here. I probably would have given her the Oscar over Jennifer Lawrence. No Disrespect to Silver Linings Playbook. But I just I felt like Chastain probably deserved the Oscar here. She gets one later, but I felt like she got chipped here. Uh, my number one movie is Twenty One Jump Street.
4: Oh, it's, that's a good one.
0: A lot of people had this in their honorable mentions, but to me, I have watched this movie an awful lot. I'm not as big of a movie rewatcher as probably some of the people on this podcast. I know like Fry goes back to his favorites frequently. This is just one that I've enjoyed watching with so many people, and I I quote it with so many people, and it's just become part of one of those things that helps shape your humor. And I did not really like the source material of 21 Jump Street when this first came out. I thought this was going to be another one of those, you know, we're going to dig up a piece of programming that I'm not sure this generation really connects with. Like when Starsky and Hutch came out and it was just like, how many people really know what Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson <laughs> right. are doing yeah. in that movie?
3: Chips, Hawaii 5
0: Yeah, who's the target audience for this? You're not making the people who watched the original one happy, and you're not making the people who don't know what it is happy. You're not bringing people into it. But 21 Jump Street took the framework and turned it into just the goofiest cop movie. The connection to the past movie didn't really have a ton of payoff there. There was a little homage, there was a little playing, you know, there's a little tip of the cap to it. But, I mean, it is very funny and it's not done in that sort of way that the original one was. They, this is a wild divergence of the source material. And I would actually say that more transformational versions like this is something I'd like to see more of. This was a really refreshing thing to see in Hollywood. I mean, it launched uh, Dave Franco's career, I think, because it was big for uh, Brie Larson as well. And I think this was just one of those movies that I think a lot of people saw, really enjoyed. I have to say the sequel is also quite funny. Not as good as the first one, but I mean, it's, it's got an amazing cast and it keeps the laugh train going. Ice Cube is fantastic.
4: Just gonna say the exact same thing. Ice Cube makes that movie.
2: In the same way, I would make the the comment that Puff Daddy made. Uh,
0: just Diddy now, sir.
1: <laughs> Diddy uh,
2: makes. Sean Puffy I'm comes sorry, to just you. Just Diddy. Excuse me. Excuse Just, just, just Diddy uh, made get him to the Greek. Like these little add uh, add-ons. Like they they really brought it for this. Like this was, all of these things involved the same, or one of the same
5: actors. But Korean Jesus. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Like, I, <laughs> I <laughs> dude, these movies are holy. You know,
4: this also launched the, uh, like, because Channing Tatum was like a heartthrob in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You know, he did, I think Magic Mike was actually a 2012 movie. And, uh, which, none it
3: was my number 17.
4: <laughs> yeah. Which, the best mention. Can't believe none of us had it
3: right after Corona three double D just
4: for right. balance. Spicy. <laughs> that, no, that movie is spicy. <laughs> I uh, talk about energy from the movie theater. I saw that movie in theaters, and there were uh, lots of screams in that movie theater. But uh, uh-huh. that is for a different day. That is a different tale. But uh, but he was you know that, and then he was like Dear John, and he was kind of trying to go for this more like romantic comedy vibe. This was or this is like the very first. Funny, silly role that we've ever seen Channing Tatum in, and I feel like comedy is really hard. I mean, that comedic timing is not some—you just either have it or you don't. He's hilarious in this movie.
1: Yeah, it turned my opinion around on him. Like, okay, I like this guy now. Yes. This is great. Agreed. It's like as soon as Robert Pattinson started bashing Twilight, it's like, okay, you're cool. You, hey Jack,
0: you have the right to be an attorney. Did you just say <laughs> you have the right to be an attorney? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, technically, he's right. It's a free country. You do have the right to become an attorney. To watch these two misfits that are just... One would pick on the other one in high school be stuck together and watch them, like, galvanize and they are so not what each other has. It it is typical buddy cop movie, but it is very funny to see these two gelling together and being excited to work together when one of them was such a nerd. I mean, I I, I relate to the Joan Hill character of of like watching him walk through the hallway with his big baggy jean co jeans and the ball chain necklace and the wallet chain i mean this is this is mean it's funny to watch him go back and everything changes and to watch all the kids and guys like don't care about anything and like they don't like they don't like what was cool then and channing tatum and he was like i don't understand this school he's like if i had just if i had just gone to school like five (laughs) years later i would have been popular i know it's messed up
4: Oh, it is really, really good. And I love his little, I love the gym coach. He has amazing comedic timing as well. He's just like, that whole sequence when they're taking whatever substance it is that they're chasing after. And there's like on a different sequence. And like, as they're talking, he like becomes an ice cream cone, like, slowly melting as he's speaking. It's just, <laughs> it's, just it's like stupid, silly fun.
0: Culminating in violent action, too, yeah. which is fun.
3: Is this the one where the they have the conversation about one strap with the backpack?
5: Yes. Yes. I I can't yes. mm-hmm. I
3: can't I always have been a one strap backpack man, and I can't pick up my backpack without thinking of this movie. This is an everyday thing.
2: <laughs> You're telling me um, I was a messenger bag kid? No.
3: <laughs> Chad, what were you a yes. briefcase kid?
4: Rolly backpacks all the way.
5: <laughs>
1: Brian had to uh, constantly defend himself because he would get accused of having a man purse. And would go, "It's a satchel. <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's a man's oh, yeah. bag."
0: I, I, yep.
2: Yes. I was that guy.
0: The one shoulder bag. Yeah. Yeah. That's really hard on your back for textbooks. I don't know how you did that. I remember thinking that at the time. <laughs> I, I didn't and, take. And, see, class. Channing Tatum just didn't care. It was so cool. <laughs> he's so cool I'm looking... i wasn't i took notes and referenced it later i didn't i hated getting so much homework that you had to put the clip around like your like waist like on your backpack Just like dang it my shoulders really hurt i'm actually gonna wear the waist strap and be a dork and do what? it messenger how, how bag. weak was your
1: messenger <laughs> bag. what is this you need third support
0: I don't know, man. When you, when you put nothing but textbooks in your backpack and the whole thing's like sandwiched to the point where the zipper's not zipping and you still carry your like binder extra in your hand, it's heavy, man. I don't know. Russell
1: was like 102 pounds <laughs> in high school. so that's He's 102 them. pounds I had a, now.
0: I, I was a small
2: guy. There's no doubt about it. So I had a Mead notebook and a Pilot G2 pen.
0: That's what I took to Mead
3: five star.
0: With a roar Shock test notebook. Woo! This has been great. This has been the longest one of these ever. But uh, that, that's what you get when you get the whole round table together. So, yeah. Well, thank you all the lords, ladies and knights of the Retro Movie round table, for listening. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. So subscribe, rate, and review to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro. We're on Instagram. Emails at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. And producing and providing this podcast is fun, but not free. So we invite you to support the show at our Patreon page at www.patreon.com, Retro Movie Roundtable. Any contributions will be much appreciated and go towards making the show better for you, the listeners. So as always, thank you for listening, be good to each other, and watch more movies. Brian?
5: Chloe, don't worry. It's just God punishing you because you're a ginger.